Welcome to the Business and Personal Development Podcast with Chris Haroon, where you'll find tips on how to take your career to the next level. Good morning and welcome to our 122nd uh, weekly webcast. If this is the first time you're joining us, welcome. If you've been with us before, welcome back. And so the way the call works is this is an AMA. You can ask me anything. Uh, You can ask me business questions. You can ask me career questions. Ask me anything you want, personal questions. Uh, And within one day uh, of the call being completed, what my wonderful staff does is they take all the questions you've asked and they time code it so that if you go to the description field of the video, uh, you can click and get immediate access to the answers to all of the questions. So without further ado, let's begin. And and thank you as always. I've got my gallon of water here. We are 60% water. And I find that if I drink a gallon of water a day, um, it it actually does much more for me than a perfect diet, perfect sleep, etc. This helps tremendously. It's been my my biggest problem for years. You've seen me on this this webcast for years or for ages at least, uh, where I'd go through the entire webcast uh, nine hours or ten hours sometimes. You remember those long ones in the past without getting up once. So I'm trying to drink a lot more water. Um, It's helping a lot. Uh, I'm starting to feel uh, a lot more upbeat, uh, etc. So I recommend you guys do it too. So I, I'm not sponsored by anybody, nor will I ever be. I'll, I'll never sell out to you, my student. Um, you guys are the customer. You guys come first. But if you want to buy this, just go to Amazon and search for, it, it's called Bottle Joy. Uh, there's a lot of knockoffs that are the same product. But the way it works is um, it's got um, a, a number of slots here for time on the side. Let me get a better angle here. Uh, and so what, what you can do is it at, at 7 a.m. I'm supposed to have drank that much, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, up until 5 p.m. or 6 p.m., whatever it is. And you stop several hours before you go to sleep for obvious reasons. Um, so um, anyway, without further ado, let's begin. And, and let me let me, let me me take your, your questions there. Thank you. All right. So first up, um, I, I've got uh, a screen of us. Uh, and I used to have a, a friend named um, uh, uh, Shrini Vass. We called him Shri. Um, I'll call you Shrini Vass unless you, tell, unless you let me call you Shri, though. Thank you. His name was uh, Shri Sunderlingham. Um, very successful engineer. Uh, went to University of Waterloo in Canada. It's Canada's MIT. Or MIT is America's Waterloo. And now he's a big shot down here in the valley. So Shrini Vass is saying, uh, Hi, Chris. Um, would you recommend people in their 20s to work in bigger companies or explore multiple roles uh, in a growing fast-paced startup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I, I recommend going to a startup only if you're excellent at one particular skill, very, very good at it. So a lot of people in their early 20s go to startups uh, in the tech sector because they love programming and they practice programming for years. They absolutely love it. Uh, or they're very, very passionate about technology to the extent that they can sell it because they've lived it their whole lives, etc. Um, so y- you don't want to be a jack of all trades um, when you go to a startup um, because at, startup, you, at startups you have to hit the ground running because most startups never make it. For every Google, there's a gazillion other uh, search engine startups that went nowhere. Uh, in terms of what to do uh, when, when you're younger, you're not sure what to do. Well, I, I recommend that you get more of a generalist role if you're confused at first uh, working in a big company. Uh, and that way, 
you can kind of learn the ropes and get exposed to different subsectors of business to the extent that you understand what you're most passionate about so that you can focus on what your purpose is or what you love doing the most. Now, it's hard to find your passion, uh, especially when you're, you're a lot younger. For me, uh, I switched careers a gazillion times now until I finally found my, my ultimate passion, which, which is teaching. I, I love to teach. I'm passionate about this. But it's good to get exposed to many different subsectors uh, of business uh, when you're younger. Now, another thing you can do that I, I highly recommend uh, is to set up networking meetings uh, with, uh, with people that work in various industries and even networking meetings with people that work at the company you're currently at. So you can get exposed. Um, think, of my, think of me like a waiter. I'm exposing you to a lot of different careers and that's what mentors do, many different mentors. So that you can ultimately decide what main course you wanna have uh, for your career, so to speak. Now, the best way to network uh, is to, um, uh, you can download this book of mine. It, it's called uh, Networking to Get Customers a Job or, or Anything You Want. Um, and you just have to go to my, my website to get that, uh, and I'll show you that really quickly. Um, I've, I've set up a, a gazillion networking meetings uh, in my life, um, and, and my, my, my Yodas that have helped me humbly in my life uh, have been um, many people I've met through networking that have guided me down the right career path. So just go to my website, uh, haroonventures.com, uh, and then scroll down. Uh, and then you'll be able to download uh, this book called Networking at Customers, uh, a job or anything uh, uh, you want. Yeah, it's tougher though when 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 you're younger and you're first you're, you're first getting started. You're you're not sure what you know your purpose or passion is, etc. Uh, but if you set up a lot of these networking meetings, you can hopefully find out what was the reason you were put on this earth, uh, career wise. For me, what I did was I actually spent, um, I wanted to be a lawyer when I was younger. I don't know why. Maybe I, I saw a bunch of John Grisham movies uh, as well as um, A Few Good Men and Tom Cruise, I don't know, kind of motivated me in that movie. Um, and then I went to uh, a lot of networking meetings and I met with a lot of lawyers. Um, and then I, 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 I thought to myself, I, I, I don't understand are you a jerk and then you go to law school or do they teach you how to become a jerk in law school? Um, so I didn't want to become a lawyer. Unless you're a civil rights lawyer, then I love you and God bless you. Yeah, but 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 I think that getting exposed to a number of different careers uh, through setting up uh, networking meetings uh, is a great idea until you find your passion and purpose. Okay. And you guys got to hold me honest to this, okay? I, it, right now it's, um, it's 8 o'clock. And I'm on track. I'm at I'm between 7 a.m. and 9 a.m. here. Um, but make sure I finish this, please. I have wonderful students in my, my Platinum MBA degree program, including uh, uh, Christina, who lives here in the Bay Area, as well as Melody, who's in, um, she lives in Atlanta, uh, and then uh, Kemi, who lives in Brampton, uh, in Ontario, Canada. They all have these as well, and they keep me honest. Please do the same. Thanks. All right, it's heavy, man. Yeah, you gotta work out while you do it, right? Oh my goodness, uh, Anthony Curry, dude, it's been a while. I hope you're doing well. So, Anthony, uh, I think that Anthony, you're you're from uh, Montreal. Uh, you went to go to Toronto because um, uh, your 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 fiance was there at the time. You mentioned, and she worked at Blake's, which is a big law firm there. Uh, good dude, though. My people, Canadian. Yeah, yeah. Great. To, it's been about a, a year or more. Yeah. 
Uh, but Anthony wrote here, hi, Chris, long time. I hope your year's off to a good start. Likewise. What would be good advice for a friend who recently received approximately $160,000 from selling their home? And they're wondering what to do with this sum of money. She has zero uh, investing experience uh, and knowledge. Yeah. 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 So the first thing you do, the very, very first thing uh, is you make sure uh, that you max out your retirement savings program every year. Now, you're based in Canada, and I'm assuming your friend is as well. So up there in Canada, where I'm from, it's called uh, the RRSP, Registered Retirement Savings Program. And globally, um, every country has something like this. In America, it's called 401k. In Australia, it's called superannuum, superannuum or something like that. Yeah. But you want to make sure that you max out that every single year. And so um, here in America, I think it's $18,500 per year. And what that means is um, you're allowed to save money uh, and not pay taxes ever until you take that money out many, many years later. It's a great tax shelter. Uh, and, and if you max it out uh, for 30 or 40 years, you should be worth millions and millions and millions uh, in 30 or 40, or year, 40 years. It's true. The second thing you should do is if you have kids uh, or you want to have kids, um, think about saving for, for university. Uh, there's educational savings programs available in almost every country, and the tax system is quite similar for that as it is for your registered retirement uh, savings program. Uh, the next thing I would recommend after that, and I know your friend just, just sold her house, uh, but the, the next thing I, I would always recommend doing um, is... Do whatever you can to make sure that you're not paying rent. So maybe if you can, roll it over into buying another house or apartment. If your friend here you mentioned, uh, she just sold her place, has the means to do it. Now, it's hard to buy a house and an apartment when you're younger. Uh, for me, it took me until my 30s until I could buy my, my first apartment. So I had to save up for years and years and years. Uh, but it's an incredible investment. Um, if you don't believe me, um, assume you're paying between $500 and $1,000 in rent every month. Multiply that by 12, then multiply that by 30 years or 40 years, um, and then within Excel, and I'm happy to show you how to do this, um, have a, an interest rate or a return rate of eight or 9% and just run the numbers. You'll see that that's millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars uh, within 30 or 40 years. That's what I would do. Then we invest in other asset classes. So Ward Buffett uh, once uh, famously said, uh, that you want to spend after saving instead of saving after spending. So what I recommend doing is have money come out of your, your paycheck um, every two weeks or whenever you get your paycheck, uh, if you have the means to do so, and have it invested immediately uh, in the markets, okay, and other asset classes, out of sight, out of mind. Remember, Warren Buffett said, uh, spend after saving. Now, when you have this money coming out of your account, um, what I recommend doing, and you can take my, my MBA degree program uh, for more details or any of my courses, and I have a course called the Complete Personal Finance Course that'll help you with this, and you can see it there on the bottom, go here uh, to be able to access those courses. Every course has a 30-day 100% money-back guarantee, including my MBA degree program, so you got nothing to lose, everything to gain. But when, you're, you're, when you have money uh, to invest, um, per my courses, um, I want you to invest in these asset classes. Stocks, bonds, commodities, um, and then other. Okay, and other could include um, REITs, which is real estate, 
um, if you don't own your own house, okay? And REITs are like a stock. REITs stand for Real Estate Investment Trust. And you might wonder to yourself, you're thinking, dude, I don't get it. Like, how do all these, um, how do all these, these, these massive strip malls, who, who funds those things? Or who, who creates these office buildings or these massive apartment buildings? Well, quite often they're, they're created uh, and funded by REITs, real estate investment trusts. And what you can do is you can go and look them up um, on Yahoo Finance. Go to finance.yahoo.com, type up REITs, and they're just like, like tickers, like stocks. You can buy them. And the law is usually that they have to pay out 90% of the profits every year uh, uh, as dividends. So do your research first on that. Now, when it comes to stocks, bonds, commodities, uh, and REITs or other to buy, um, make sure that you don't have more than 20% in any one particular sector, so to speak, of your capital okay, that you're investing. Um, and I recommend never having more than 5% of your liquid net worth, meaning the money you have to invest, um, in any one particular stock. Um, and I, I have plenty of, of tools to share with you. Um, that you can you can access uh, in my courses and in my MBA degree program to help you with that. Again, you can go to this. This is new here for me. This address here to download my courses or my MBA degree program. As always, it's a 30-day, 100% money-back guarantee. You've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. And and thank you. Okay. Next up, uh, I have got. Uh, Anthony is saying, um, I, I know that you you hate mutual funds. But we don't. Uh, but we don't know who to trust. Banks, uh, wealth managers, wealth simple. Uh, what would you advise? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, mutual funds are, are the biggest scams um, uh, on the planet in the investing world. They're, they're brutal, man. Um, there are fees. Sometimes they disclose them two, three, four percent, whatever. And then there are hidden fees, which they don't disclose. Plus, it gets much, much worse because in many countries. Uh, governments will reward you for being a patient investor uh, by um, taxing you less on money you've made in less than one year. Okay, it's called capital gains tax. If you hold uh, financial instruments, stocks, bonds, whatever it is, in many countries for more than a year, and then you sell it and you make a profit, you pay less in tax. That's lower capital gains taxes because governments want volatility to be mitigated uh, in the markets, because that leads to, to fear, panic, and, and all that stuff in unstable markets. So with mutual funds, what happens is you have a lot of portfolio managers that are chasing performance um, into year end, so they can get a bonus. And when they chase performance, they buy and sell stuff. And not only do 90% of mutual fund portfolio managers underperform the S&P 500, but because they're chasing performance and buying and selling and buying and selling and buying and selling, um, they're, they're creating these taxable events for you so that when you file taxes through a, a K-1 or, or whatever kind of a, a, a accounting form you receive from the mutual fund company, you end up paying a lot more in taxes than you should be. You should be. So the bottom line there is uh, check out uh, ETFs, exchange-traded funds, and I'll show you quickly on, on how to do this. So never pay for any finance software, please or anything that's gonna tell you uh, exactly what stocks to buy. What I recommend you do is you go to finance.yahoo.com. I used to spend thousands of dollars uh, in my hedge fund uh, every month and the hedge funds I worked at in my career on Bloomberg software, biggest waste of money ever because you can get all that stuff here for free. Now you know I'm not sponsored by anybody nor will I ever be, okay. 
Right. So what you can do is you can type up SP, er, um, ETFs here. So for example, you've got the S&P 500 ETF. Uh, SPY is the ticker. And whenever you look up, and I'm going to go and get my face off here uh, in the corner. It's like a Canadian thing to say there's a face off in the corner. Um, so you can see that the picture much, much better. There we go. So whenever you look at uh, any sort of ETF, um, what I want you to do is uh, I want you to go to profile to see what the, the expense ratio is. And here it's only 0.09%. That means you're going to pay just 0.09% every year uh, to uh, invest in this ETF. Now, what is this ETF? Well, it just represents the 500 stocks uh, in the broader American markets. Uh, and so uh, if, if you click here on holdings, you can find out that there's 12 major categories for the S&P 500, which represents the broader U.S. markets. Uh, so in, in this case, technology, for obvious reasons, keeps becoming a bigger percent of the U.S. economy and the U.S. markets, 24%. So if we scroll down to see what the top 10 holdings are in the S&P 500, this is ticker SPY, the, the uh, ETF for, for the, for the S&P. Uh, we see here that it's very tech heavy uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, and then eventually we, we get an automotive company here, which is basically driving a computer car, which I love. Then you've got um, an insurance company here, more or less with Berkshire. That's Warren Buffett's company. Uh, healthcare, and then finally a financial services a company. Now, there's other kinds of ETFs that you can invest in as well. You can invest in commodities too, like gold, GLD. And I recommend buying uh, gold as an ETF instead of the bars itself because you don't know if the bars are real uh, and you can sell this quickly as well. So if anybody has uh, in, any additional questions uh, about uh, about ETFs uh, or investment classes, um, you can ask me here uh, on this weekly call uh, or what you can do is you can go and download my courses at this link here. Um, and, and as always with my courses, my MBA degree program, there's there's always a 30-day 100% money-back guarantee, so you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Okay. Next question. All right, next up we have uh, John Clee. Uh, John is from Rochester. Um, he's actually, I actually hired John. Uh, John does a, a lot of work with me now, um, and, and what I do every now and then is on my website, uh, haroonventures.com in the top right corner i'll put jobs and, and i'll hire people every now and then we are growing very very quickly um business is humbly very very good uh, and i met john i think it was on week number 10 here uh, on my weekly call uh, i've never met him in person he's awesome oh he does great work uh john is from rochester again uh, great to see you john and i do name association too so that's how i remember a lot of names um so whenever i see john the first question he asked me on webcast number 10 or whatever it was ages ago, was who are my favorite Canadian uh, comedians? And so when I see his name, I remember that because I think of John Cleese, uh, the great British uh, uh, comedian. So John from Rochester um, is saying, hey, Chris, happy Thursday. Likewise, uh, have you seen what is going on with GameStop, uh, AMC, uh, BB, etc.? I have. I have. Yeah. And I'll explain exactly what's happening because I've lived it on both sides uh, of the trades uh, at working at a hedge fund. And then you wrote here, hedge funds that shorted these stocks are getting crushed 
Maybe a short squeeze. We'd love your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. So, so what's happened uh, with with games? So, GameStop uh, ticker GME. It's a video game uh, a retailer um, uh, here in the United States, uh, headquarters down in Texas. I visited with the CEO, CFO, IR many times in Grapevine, Texas, where the headquarters are. I used to be an investor on the long and short side years and years and years ago. I know the story very well. The issue with with GameStop is that a lot of um, it's it's a widow maker uh, when it comes to hedge fund analysts that are new that are that are short in the stocks a terrible term sorry um what happens is this people bet against stocks in the hedge fund world meaning instead of buying a stock meaning going long a stock they do the opposite and if it goes down they make money but what happens is sometimes it's so obvious what a great short idea is or betting against a company um, that so many hedge funds get involved and it gets crowded very very fast and if there's any slightly less negative news that comes out, uh, then it leads to the hedge funds panicking, which means a short squeeze. Um, they're, they're getting squeezed out of their shorts and they get rid of those positions because they're terrified because they're losing a fortune. Uh, and, and the way to know um, if, if a short is crowded and you should not short it is if the short interest ratio uh, is over 10. What does that mean? Well, the short interest ratio uh, means the number of shares that are outstanding um, that are that are sh that are shorted. Okay, the number of shares that are shorted in the market, and this information is readily available. The short interest ratio means the number of shares outstanding in the market that are that are shorted. That's the numerator divided by the average daily trading volume. So, if a company's a company trades uh, only 100 shares a day in volume, um, but there's a thousand shares that hedge funds are short then the short interest ratio is 1,000 divided by um, 100, which is 10, which means it would take 10 days of volume on the market to cover all of that, the, the shorts for the hedge funds. That's a short interest ratio, and that's very high. Uh, and you should never, usually without doing your research, short a stock that has a short interest ratio above 10. Because what happens is this, if any slightly positive news comes out uh, on the stock or slightly less, less negative news, um, then everybody panics uh, in the hedge fund industry. So how do you know, aside from, from um, short interest ratio, if all the bad news is, into, is priced into a stock already? Well, the simple rule is this, okay? And you have to do your own research, obviously, and look at many other factors. But if a stock goes up on bad news, or if a stock goes up on slightly neutralish news, then that could mean that it's a crowded short. Too many people are in it, right? So again, if a stock goes up on bad news or if a stock goes up on neutralish news, um, then that means that it could mean that it's a crowded short and everybody that wants to short it already has and everybody that wants to sell that stock already has. So let's talk more about GameStop. So GameStop has been an obvious crowded short for hedge funds. It's a widow maker. Uh, for, for years. Uh, and, and the reason is because uh, many of us know uh, that um, going to a store and buying a video game is not something we're going to see a gazillion years from now. Okay. So Amazon is not going to put every clothing store out of business or every retail store out of business, but it will hurt them in the very long run. Now, when it comes to the video game sector, um, in the very, very long run, we'll probably be downloading more games uh, rather than going and buying them uh, from GameStop, uh, which which hurts GameStop, obviously, because not only does GameStop sell uh, games, um, uh, but they sell used games as well. 
and if everyone's downloading games, they don't have a used game uh, to, to sell. Um, and so uh, what, what happens is uh, eventually they're, they're less relevant. But I will say this. When I go to GameStop, and I go there a lot, um, obviously not now because of COVID, uh, but when I go to GameStop, and I've gone to GameStop for, for decades, I even worked on the merger of, of GameStop and Electronic Boutique as an investor years ago. Uh, but what, when I go there, I love talking to the employees there because they're so passionate about what they're doing. I mean, if anybody here works in the retail sector uh, and you want to hire people um, to sell your product, whatever it is you sell, go to GameStop and see how the people that work there sell games. They don't have a job. They have a passion. They love doing what they're doing, right? And they really know their stuff. They really know their stuff. I absolutely love going there. Um, but anyway, so it's a crowded short. And people on Reddit uh, have been talking about the stock um, which has driven the price up a lot. Uh, and it's interesting because people are now listening to, to, to forums more so, a little bit more so, uh, than Wall Street analysts. Um, and, and that's not a terrible thing. But I think the best thing you can do is to always do your own research when you invest uh, in stocks. And what I'll do is, um, I believe that it, it's incumbent upon me uh, and other people that teach business uh, not to... Not to uh, give you a fish, but to teach you how to fish. And so what I want to do right now, give me a second, is I want to show you one of the many frameworks that I provide uh, my, and this is not one of them, <laughs> I provide my, my MBA degree students. I provide them with an arsenal of, of, of weapons, uh, so to speak, so that they can uh, do their own research on any type of investment class. Okay, great. So um, right right here, and let me just check, see we're recording good. Uh, right here, this is um, one of the, the weapons, so to speak, that I provide uh, my, my students with. Um, and so this is a, a simplistic Excel spreadsheet I made. There's no macros. Macros are bad. That means that there's code uh, being run, which means viruses potentially. Okay. And I'm sorry if you can't see this perfectly here. Uh, but what I've done here is I created this, and there's 100 different steps to analyzing uh, companies. Okay. And what I did was I put it in three buckets, qualitative investment research, quantitative, and financial research. And again, I, this is for my MBA degree students. Uh, you can go to the, the website on the bottom here in black uh, and find out more about the program. But I help you analyze everything you need to know about a company from scratch. And there's dummy data in here right now, but I also created for you uh, based on the data you enter in, a lot of uh, a lot of charts that will help you understand the underlying stock you're doing research on in terms of sector exposure, uh, shareholders, um, TAM, total addressable market. That is the bill of materials here. That's called BOM, um, GDP per capita, where the company sells their products, um, GDP uh, heat map here by countries, by revenue, where they sell their products, population growth for those countries, because if you get the macro wrong, the micro doesn't matter when you're doing investor research. Also, the top customers, the average selling price, meaning ASP and volume trends, uh, location of employees, Dow and Mao, if applicable, and that stands for daily active users and monthly active users for, for websites. And of course, just a ton of other charts here uh, for earnings growth, revenue growth, operating margins, etc. And all this is based on questions that you answer here, okay, uh, directly in here. Um, and then what happens is all that stuff is put out into those charts you just saw, as well as, um, as, well as an executive summary here. And also, and you can include technicals if you want there. I, I hit it underneath my, my, my face there in the corner. 
<laughs> but if you hit print on, on this page, what, what happens is that one pager, which has all live data fed into it, um, is, is, is put into a PDF uh, or you can print it. Your name's on the bottom in case you want to send the idea to somebody that you want to work for or bring it to an informational meeting. What's also done from this um, is a detailed report, meaning a 150-page report for you um, that will help you run circles around Wall Street analysts. That's right. That's right. You already have everything you need to build something bigger than yourself. That's what Seth Godin says. I truly believe it. Never take anybody's advice for what stocks to buy, including me. And I'll never tell you what stocks to buy because I humbly want to provide you with um, teach you how to fish instead of uh, giving you a fish, so to speak. Last thing I'll say in that is uh, there's a service called Motley Fool and people ask me about it quite often uh, on should I listen to them um, when it comes to picking stocks. You shouldn't listen to anybody. Just do your own research always. Never read editorials and newspapers when it comes to what stocks to buy. Do your own research. And for more details uh, on that, you can do a search on, on YouTube on Motley Fool uh, and you'll see my, my humble thoughts on that. Yeah, yeah. And that video, actually, that um, I feel uncomfortable talking about money. Um, it, it came up um, la last week in a CNBC article thing uh, th that I did. Um, and I felt guilty, so I gave a lot of my courses away. But um, when it comes to that Motley Fool video, I've made, um, and I say what I'm about to say is to inspire you, um, not, to, not to impress you, okay? But I've made over $4,000 in that video. Uh, so far. And I released it less than a year ago. It's a, one of my three-minute vlogs, whatever, uh, on YouTube, um, I guess, because people buy ads on it. Um, and when, when it comes to YouTube, YouTube is the only search engine in, or YouTube is the only um, uh, gold rush in history where it costs you nothing to make the product. And YouTube is the only gold rush in history where you can get access to billions of potential customers for free. It's a gold rush. And don't miss out on this gold rush, please. Uh, start making YouTube content today because every YouTube video that, that I make, and I do because it it's fun for me, uh, but every YouTube video that I make or anybody makes, you got to think of it like it's a little coffee shop. It's a little franchise of yours that's going to pay superb dividends uh, in, in the long run. Um, you got to be long-term focused, long-term greedy. As Warren Buffett said, the longer the view, the wiser the intention. The bottom line is, if you want to learn um, how to create YouTube content uh, to sell your business, your product, your, yourself, whatever, market yourself, um, you can always take my MBA degree program or you can go right here uh, to learn.haroonventures.com to take my complete YouTube course. Now, I'm not an expert in YouTube. Um, I made a lot of mistakes, clearly. Um, but uh, one of my students I met um, on my weekly webcast, this weekly webcast, her name is Sasha Stevenson, and she has over 100 million YouTube views, uh, and I, she gave me a lot of advice, and so I asked her, I said, Sasha, you're great, thank you, um, and she lives in Indonesia, she's Canadian, I've never met her, she's cool, I want to meet her one day, uh, but um, she has over 100 million views, and she started giving me advice, I was like, dude, this is so nice. You know, if you help other people, they'll they'll help you as well. There's that whole give and take mentality, which is the crux of that wonderful book on my bookshelf. Um, you know, give and you'll receive. It's prophetic. It's been true since the beginning of time. Um, and, and that's one of the reasons why I do this this webcast. It's fun. And so what, what I did was I approached Sasha uh, and I said to Sasha, do, do, you, do, you want, do you want to make a course together on YouTube? Uh, and, and, and we did it. It, it was fun. So um, all, you, all you have to do is go to, um, I think it's learn, it's down the bottom there, I can't miss it, learn.haroonventures.com 
uh, to access that course. And what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to go to that link in incognito mode um, because it hides certain things. Learn.haroonventures.com. Okay. In uh, that course uh, that I mentioned there, um, and you can click here to view all courses. Um, there's my MBA programs here. We're sold out for gold and platinum this year, um, kind of like we were last year as well. So the silver program, you, anybody can take, you can start today. Get your money back too within 30 days. Watch the whole damn thing and get your money back too. I don't care. Okay. But if you scroll down here, um, you'll see here, it's the complete YouTube course, uh, which is everything you need to know to succeed on YouTube um, and, and, and Sasha Stevenson, she's incredible. So again, she has over a hundred million uh, YouTube views uh, on her channel. Uh, you can search her up as well. She's a comedian. She's funny as heck too. Um, and if you have any other questions about, about YouTube or, or any of my courses or my MBA degree program, uh, please let me know and thank you as always. Oh my God, I talk a lot. Okay, let me move on now. All right, next up we have uh, Rowena. Uh, first time I've seen you on the call. I hope you join us again. Thank you. Um, so the question is, hello, Chris. Hope you're doing well. Likewise. Everybody talks about uh, the upcoming market crash this year or next year. Do you think this will happen and why? Uh, how do you prepare for a potential crisis and swings? Great question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never think of it that way. You know, it's it's too hard to, to call the market. A lot of hedge funds went bankrupt last year for being negative on the market because of COVID. It seemed logical, right, from a short-term perspective. You know, things are not going to be good in the world, so stocks will go down. But they didn't. They went up. And I can go there if you want me to. I can explain exactly what happened from many... It's controversial, but screw it. I'm going there. And then I'll talk about this year, okay? Um, and, and before I go there, I got to, first of all, mention a quick quote, which is, the market can stay irrational longer than we can stay solvent. Yeah, and I worked for this wonderful man, God bless him. His name is Art Sandberg. He passed away recently. Um, I worked for him at, at a great hedge fund called Pequot. And I remember back in 06, we were looking to short uh, Lennar and KBH, ticker LEN and KBH, home builders. Um, and uh, the reason was because of the housing crisis. And we wanted to short private equity bubble-based companies. And he said to us at the time, I remember that, um, Art Sandberg, God bless him. He said, son, I've been around long enough to understand not to stand in the way of insanity. Markets peak, markets trough. You can never call the peak or the trough, um, which is why I love to be a long-term investor because it works much, much better. Yeah. So before I answer your question, um, in terms of why the market has been up in, in the face of all this negative news over the past you know, year, year and a half, whatever it is. Well, governments have, there, there's two sets of medicine that governments have to fix an economy from a finance perspective, nothing to do with COVID. Uh, and the two sets of medicine that governments have uh, are, are, um, are, are number one, um, uh, fiscal policy, and number two, monetary policy. And let me explain what that means. Let me kick it off with monetary policy, which as it says, as, it, as the name implies, is the policy of money. Okay. The first medicine is, is monetary policy. Um, and it looks like I, I, I didn't shave this morning, so I got a little bit of a four o'clock shadow here. Just hope it's not my, my hot chocolate here, but yeah, sorry. <laughs> Keeping it real. Yeah, yeah. Um, so monetary policy... Uh, is the policy of money, and that means 
that governments, when they're worried about the economy, um, they cut interest rates. And, and the way they do that is as follows, okay, monetary policy. Let me first of all talk about a ridiculous example, um, a, a grocery store, okay, before I talk about the policy of money. This will make more sense in a second. So when you go to the grocery store and you buy avocados, for example, um, and you go there, they're a buck each, let's just say for fun, uh, and you go there one day, you see they're three bucks each. And you're like, dude, I don't get it. Why are avocados more expensive now? And so you go to the store manager and you say, uh, uh, store manager at Trader Joe's or whatever store we all shop at, why is it that the price of avocados has gone up materially uh, in the past couple of days or so? And the store manager tells you, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because uh, we import uh, avocados uh, from Mexico and there's been a drought there. Uh, and so because of the drought, uh, fewer avocados are, are, are being, being grown. So the supply of avocados is down, but the demand for avocados is constant because the Super Bowl is coming up and everyone wants to make guacamole, okay, which is from avocados, yeah. Um, and so you're like, okay, I get it, okay. So there's less supply of avocados, um, but demand... Uh, for avocados has been unchanged. So that's why the price goes up. That makes sense. Okay, good. I get it. Okay. Back back to monetary policy. So the store manager of the United States uh, is, uh, the, uh, is the person in charge of, of monetary policy, the store manager of money for the United States. Okay. And, and that person is called the Federal Reserve Chairperson. And that they control the policy of money, the amount of money out there. In Canada, it's called the Bank of Canada. In other countries, it's called the Bank of your country or the European Central Bank or the Minister of Finance in Japan, etc. So the store manager for, for money in, in a country, in America, it's the Federal Reserve Chairperson. What they do is they control the supply of money. And they do it just like the avocado example. So when things are... When the government wants to slow down the economy or make it better, what they can do is they can change the supply of money. And so if there's less money out there, then what happens is the price of money goes up. Okay? We mean the interest rate goes up. And if there is more money out there, that means the supply of money, like the supply of avocados, is bigger. And the price of money or the price of avocados goes down, okay? And the price of money is based on the interest rate. So here's how it works. Let's pretend, and remember, we're talking about the first kind of uh, medicine to fix the economy, monetary policy. We'll come to fiscal in a second, okay? And yes, this does impact the stock market big time. Okay, so let's pretend that I'm the government. I'm the US government, okay? And you're all consumers. And... I basically, I have a bond and this bond and bond is just debt. It's, it's like you getting a loan, but it's for a country or a big company too. I'm the government and I have this bond and I'm going to sell it to you. Why are you going to buy it? Well, because there's an interest rate on it. You, you, you'll make money. It'll be, it'll be a good deal. And because it's U.S. government, you, 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 you trust them. Okay. So here's this bond and you're a consumer, all of you on this webcast, you buy this bond because it's a good investment. In return for taking this piece of paper, this bond, I take your money, okay? Thank you. Now, 
I take that money and a lot of it um, I, I take out of circulation. And some of it I use to build, um, you know, bridges or defend the country if there's a war, God forbid, etc. Okay, so a lot of this money is out of circulation. So all of a sudden there's less money out there. So what that means is interest rates go up. The demand for money goes up. There's less of it out there, man. So that's, and basically what, what happens is when the, when the government wants to slow down the economy, they'll do that. Okay, they'll, they'll, they'll sell bonds. You know, in return for you getting the bond, you give me your money, I take it out of circulation. Now there's less money out there and interest rates go up. Now, the, the inverse is true too. When the government wants to stimulate the economy or help it, what they do is they, they, they buy back bonds, right? So what I do is I, I, I take some of this money uh, and, and I buy your bonds back from you, okay? Uh, and then what happens is you give me the bond back, I give you money, okay? Uh, and so all of a sudden there's more money, like there's more avocados out there in society. And when there's more avocados out there, the price of avocados goes down because the supply increases. And when there's more money out there, the price of money goes down, meaning interest rates go down because there's more money out there. And that helps the economy. And uh, fiscally responsible governments or Federal Reserve chair people, what they usually do um, is they increase interest rates a bunch when times are good. It's smart to do that. Smart, not too much, but a bunch. It's smart to do that because when times get tough and the, the economic cycle, um, it's, it, it can be five or 10 years the economic cycle, but when times get tough and we're in the downward trend in the economic cycle, meaning a recession or whatever it is, then what the government can do is they can, they can jumpstart the economy uh, by cutting interest rates. One rate cut, another rate cut, a third rate cut, etc., cetera, uh, until the economy improves and then it gets better, and then rinse, lather, repeat, the government raises interest rates. Okay, that's the economic cycle. That's the way it should happen. Um, I, I think that a lot of um, Federal Reserve chair people uh, in, in the past, um, I don't want to signal anybody out, but they should have raised rates more. They, they should have raised rates more uh, in, in, uh, when, when times were good uh, over the past couple of years before, uh, before COVID. The, the problem is this. Everybody is so short-term focused. Um, politicians, government officials, investors, everybody, whatever, um, that uh, they, they, they want instant gratification and they don't think that raising interest rates is a good thing in the long run. It's painful to do, man. You make a lot of enemies doing it as a Federal Reserve chairperson, but it's the right thing to do. Uh, and whenever the Fed uh, or the, and remember, this is just the first of two pieces of medicine. The other one is fiscal policy. We'll get there in a minute. We're talking about the policy of money. Okay, monetary policy. So uh, w whenever interest rates are cut, the smart thing to do is to make baby cuts, small ones, every now and then, okay? So um, like a 0.25% cut, um, and that's called 25 basis points. Okay, there's 100 basis points in 1%. Um, what, what the Federal Reserve did last year was, was, was irresponsible. Um, what they did was they, they cut interest rates on a Sunday, which they never do, and they did it by 100 basis points, way too much. And you'd think if rates are cut, the market would go up immediately on the Monday. The market went down a bunch. And the reason was because the market was like, oh my gosh, the government almost never meets on a Sunday to cut rates, and they cut it 100 basis points? 
They cut it by a full percent. What do they know that we don't know? They must see a lot of data out there. Ah, and everyone freaked out. And then what happened was the government cut interest rates too much too fast and they ran out of bullets, right, to stimulate the economy. So that medicine, that finance medicine, uh, the, the medicine of monetary policy was done. Let's move on now to the other medicine uh, that, that governments use uh, to help the economy. Okay, uh, and, and that's called um, fiscal policy. So monetary policy is the, is the policy of money. It just means interest rates. And everything else to help the economy is called fiscal policy. Fiscal policy means doing things to help the economy, like cutting or like cutting taxes, not interest rates. So you can cut taxes, okay? Um, or what you can do uh, is you can create uh, stimulus programs uh, where you can cut a check for every American that needs it or every person in the world, depending on what country you're in, uh, that needs it. Um, or what you can do uh, is you can start these big construction government-sponsored projects uh, like like highways, uh, for example, which really stimulated the U.S. economy with the Highway Act in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. So that's what you do. When you run out of both sets of medicine, then things get crazy. Things get crazy. Desperate times call for desperate measures, and governments start doing things they've never done before or they rarely do. So, for example, in 08, when we were within 24 hours of, of bank machines not working, uh, what, what the government did uh, was they made it illegal to short 800 stocks, right? Uh, like a lot of banks I was short, and I never covered, right, until the next year at least. Thank God, yeah. Um, they do stuff like that. Um, or they take away certain freedoms, wh whatever it is, yeah. And, and the whole world right now is, is moving a little bit more left-wing, in my humble opinion, um, since I was a baby, when I was born, uh, President Nixon went to China. He did some good things there, opening up the market. And my whole life, the whole world's becoming less socialist, a little bit more capitalist. Up until the past year, it's going the other way, which which does worry me. I hope that we get a lot of these freedoms back. Um, I'm not going to go there. Anyway, but but what happens is when you run out of, of medicine from a fiscal policy and a monetary policy perspective, you, you, you have to do, do different creative things. And so I'm not... I'm not saying this did happen or didn't happen, but maybe it did. I don't know. But I'm going to talk about, um, okay, if, if you're a government, and I'm not going to talk about the U.S. government in general. I'm going to talk about governments globally. Um, I don't want to get myself in trouble here for, for surmising what I, what I think might have happened. But if you're a government and you run out of monetary policy and fiscal policy bullets to jumpstart the economy, what do you do next? It's scary, right? It is. Well, maybe you think to yourself, well, what could I do to make people feel more wealthy and better about themselves and to maybe start spending money to help the economy? Well, if I made everybody's net worth go up a lot and it didn't really cost me much to do it, and they spent more money because of that. That'd be a good thing. Yes. So what does everybody own? What, is, what do most people own in their retirement accounts? Stocks. So what if the market went up? What if the market went up? It shouldn't go up, but what if it did? 
would that make people feel better about themselves? And when that would that kind of calm any sort of chaos that might emerge? Probably. Now, before I go there, okay, and I know what you you think I'm going to say next. I need to talk about China for a second here. So the Chinese government, um, I think China is more reliant on America than vice versa. China is always worried about civil unrest. What happened with Tiananmen Square is the tip of the iceberg back in 89, where CNN just happened to have a film crew there, thank goodness, because everybody is CNN or Fox News or BBC, whatever it is these, these days. I'm trying not to be political here. By the way, I get all my U.S. political news from BBC because it's, it's not as extreme as, as CNN and Fox. No filter here, yeah. Um, but so China... Is, is very reliant on the U.S. and vice versa too. U.S. buys Chinese treasuries. And it upsets people when I say this sometimes, when I say that China's more dependent on the U.S. But I think they are because of social unrest. They are worried about it, um, which is one of the reasons why I, I think with, with COVID. Um, so Okay, so the, the Chinese government, COVID is terrible. Awful, awful, awful. I think they could have squashed it earlier, um, but but they didn't because there's a lot of rioting, peaceful protests, my heroes in, in Hong Kong protesting. Um, and how do you get protesters to go home without bringing in troops, etc.? Remember those riots, they're not occurring anymore. Well, maybe you let COVID go slightly longer than it should have. Big mistake by the, by the government there, obviously. Um, but uh, when it comes to China with the United States, so the Chinese government... Um, about, about one-third of revenue on the planet is uh, the United States economy, close to it, GDP. And China is very much uh, reliant on the United States because they're an export nation. So if you're the Chinese government and you look at the United States, and by the way, two-thirds of, of, of the GDP of the United States is consumer spending. How do you make consumers spend more? to stop crazy social unrest, unrest globally or China, whatever it is. Well, maybe if the market goes up. So would it be too far-fetched to think that certain governments, I'm not going to say which ones, may or may not have purchased the most shorted stocks or whatever it is and forced the market to go up? There, there is that possibility because you run out of fiscal policy and monetary policy and desperate times cause for desperate measures. So that's one of the reasons why the, the market is is always is, is has also been going up. In terms of what is my call on the market in the near term, I have no idea. You know, I I, I think that you have to be a long term investor. I, I really do believe that the longer the view, the wiser the intention, as Warren Buffett said. You know, when Warren Buffett invests in stocks, when he invests in the market, he does so with the understanding that the market might be closed for for 10 years. And, and obviously he knows the market is not going to be closed for 10 years, but that's how long-term focused he is. And you need to be long-term focused as well, because you can't be a trader. And a lot of people, because the market was up a, a bunch last year, uh, a lot of people are, are starting to say, I'm just going to be a trader. And people get upset with me over this. You should see the messages I get there. People get really upset, but I say, you can't do that as a career because you'll be fooled by randomness. And if you make money the first time doing that, um, that's the worst thing that can happen. Because if you go to a casino, 
And the first time you walk into the casino and you, you play roulette, you, you put it all on red or black or whatever it is, and you make a lot of money, you might think you can keep doing that. But one data point doesn't make a trend. It's impossible to make money monthly because every month has 20 trading days or 20 weekdays. And stocks go up and down because of random stuff. Geopolitical saber rattling between, I don't know, Beijing and, and, and DC if there's a trade war, which there won't be. Or, or between uh, Riyadh and, and Moscow with the price of oil, et cetera. Or it might be that you own a stock that goes up a lot because a competitor released good news. Or, or some people on Reddit started talking about things um, to push the stock going up. You can't control the near term. There's a great book by Nicholas Taleb uh, called Fooled by Randomness. A lot of people that want to trade now are being fooled by randomness. Please don't do it. Please look at fundamentals first, valuation second, uh, and technicals uh, a distant third. And this is why w w when I teach in my, my finance courses, uh, and, and my, my MBA students, that's why um, with, with the, and this is one of the many arsenals or, or weapons in your arsenal I provide or templates or frameworks I, I give my MBA degree students. But this is why um, I, when you create a one-page report, never buy a stock until you create a one-page report, um, you put fundamentals first, valuation second, technicals last. Okay, and some of you might remember this from some of my other courses, but the difference here is I have 800 independent variables from the spreadsheet that that, fill, that feeds into this directly, and then you could hit print and print it up as a, as a PDF or one pager, but I put technicals last. And I even give you the option of, of hiding technicals from this entirely. But if you look up here, and I apologize, it's kind of tough to see, um, but all of the uh, investment research uh, uh, um, steps, I have 100 of them, the very last one here I put is technical analysis. The very, very last one, because there is demand for it. And yes, it makes sense to look at technicals to be able to uh, take a little bit of profit if, if a stock is overbought. But your core position, uh, your, your core investments should be very, very long-term focused based on what, what I teach here. Yeah, so anyway, um, hopefully that, that, that answers your questions. Um, if you have any uh, uh, follow-up questions based on that, please let me know. Um, the bottom line is, please don't be a trader. Please don't be short-term focused. Please be very, very long-term focused. Thank you. It's raining outside. It never rains here. So what I'm going to do, give me a second. I'm just going to go and uh, close this, uh, this window here. Of, uh, a massive windstorm here uh, and uh, what happened was it, it freaked me out man um, we have redwoods in our in our backyard I live in, in California here but um, what happened was my, 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 my son and I uh, were looking outdoors at how crazy windy it was and we saw a massive redwood fall and it fell and it, it went onto two properties it was a disaster disaster yeah a lot, a lot of wind here yeah All right, um, ne ne next up here. All right, uh, I've got a Dan hey, D'Angelo, how are you? Uh, D'Angelo is saying good morning, Chris. Uh, good morning to you as well. I, I hope, hope you're doing well. Beyond networking, 
what else should one consider uh, when seeking to join the board of a nonprofit? Uh, what skills have you found to be the most uh, essential in your experience? Yeah, so let me take a step back and talk about boards and how to protect all of you legally, okay? Because you all might get asked to join a board one day. Um, I don't want you to join the board uh, unless um, you're given by that company uh, and paid for by that company what's called D&O insurance. Uh, and that stands for uh, Director and Officer uh, Insurance. Why? Because if you join as a board director, and there's three types of boards, I'll talk about the other two in a second, but if you join as a board director, you can get sued by investors, shareholders, etc. You can get sued, and you want to be indemnified or protected from lawsuits through what's called D&O insurance, director and officer insurance. You never pay for it. The company always does. Don't ever join a, a company as on the board of directors unless you're given D&O insurance first. Um, and that mainly applies to for-profit companies, but not for profit. You can still ask as well. Is there any sort of liability uh, protection? Yeah. Now, let me talk about the three types of boards uh, that, that there are. So the, the, the first type of, of board uh, is called a uh, board director. Okay. Uh, and and you, you, you need DNO insurance for that. I'm not a lawyer. So please, any legal thing I tell you, always do your own research. Okay. The second type uh, is called uh, board observer. And what board observer means, and you see this a lot in venture capital, and I've been a board member and board observers on VC boards here many times before. A board observer is just like a, a board of directors, uh, except what, what happens is um, at the very, very end uh, of, of each board meeting, every three months or so, you, you're asked to leave so that the the, the, the board directors can vote on certain issues that, that you're not you're not privy to. Um, then the last kind uh, is called uh, board advisor. Um, and it's just, it's, it's not really a legal thing. Obviously talk to a lawyer first before creating a board or joining one. Um, but you're just kind of an advisor. So sometimes when people say, um, you know, I, I, I talk to my board uh, or I'm on some boards, it doesn't necessarily mean you're, you're a board member or board observer. You just might be a board advisor. Yeah. But always do your research first, please, and talk to a lawyer. And there are a lot of, um, like, a lot of people think it's expensive to talk to a lawyer. I mean, quite often it is. But there's a lot of websites you can go to now to, to rent a lawyer um, for $15 for a half-hour call or 30 bucks uh, for a 30-minute call. Uh, and so this is what I do. And let me sh let me show you what I do. And I'm not endorsing this firm at all, but I do pay this firm a, a bunch of money. All right. So it's called LegalZoom. Okay. And uh, this is how I've done my, my copyrights, trademarks, incorporations, etc. Oh, they just changed their website. I like the old branding better. Um, so um, what, what you can do is you can talk to any kind of lawyer you want to here. Um, you know, uh, an estate lawyer for your, your trust, um, intellectual property, and I, I haven't done patents, I've done tons of trademarks, copyrights here, um, and other stuff as well. Registering your company as an LLC, for whatever it is, uh, or get advice on, on joining a board, whatever. You can go here, it's 30 bucks uh, for, um, uh, for a half hour call with a lawyer. It's not bad. They speak really slowly though. Dude, I've gone like an hour today without one dad humor. Okay, so you gotta cut me some slack there. 
but but I recommend um, just speaking to a lawyer first before joining a, a board. In terms of how to join boards uh, in, in general, just just network aggressively. Um, and so I've got this book here on networking. You can go to my website, haroonventures.com, to download it for free. Uh, it'll help you to be able to network to take your career to the next level, so to speak. Um, but yeah, but usually you have to have a bit of experience in a certain sector before you're asked to join a board. Yeah, but I really do believe in the whole, you know, give and take uh, mentality in, in life. You know, some people call it karma. Some call it karma synchronicity, call it what you will. But there's this great book down here uh, called Give and Take written by Adam Grant. Um, and uh, it, it, the bottom line message of that book is that the poorest 1% of people in the world are givers. People with beautiful souls, like Mother Teresa. I love her. When is Hollywood going to make a movie about her? I'd love to see it. She's the best. The 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 middle 98% of people in the world are takers. Most people are takers. Most people are avaricious. They, they just take uh, their, their, their whole life. Um, and then the top 1% of people in the world are givers. Okay. I mean, billion, a lot of billionaires. They're, they're givers. They helped other people along the way. You know, I'm not saying because you have a lot of money, I respect you. But it's, it's something you can quantify yeah. Give and you'll receive. It's prophetic. It's been true since the beginning of time. If you help people, they will in turn help you in the long run. That makes you feel good about yourself too. Yeah. That's how you join boards. You help people in the long run, they'll they'll basically they'll they'll return the favor. All right. And, and your goal is a like I'm a pretty competitive guy. Like especially for my students. I'm a pit bull and a porch off my students. Uh, I'll do anything. I'll walk through walls to make them successful, but I'm very, very competitive. Um, so, like when I'm on uh, when I'm on boards, my biggest goal is to get the first call from the CEO when she or he needs help. That's the measure of a great board member, by the way, or board observer or board advisor. Is you get the first call from the CEO when they need help, and and I always thought of myself humbly as a prosthetic extension of the management team to the extent that I wanted to help them as, as much as I could. I, I want to help. And I, I think that in board meetings, you, you don't talk unless you can help. Uh, and so I, I, I introduced my CEOs of my portfolio companies. Uh, I was on the boards up to tons and tons of different um, CTOs to customers. Yeah. All right, next up. Um, All right, um, let's see what we got here. Oh, and I see Michael Reynolds. I, I see you there, Mike. Um, uh, Michael, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta thank you from the bottom of my heart, brother, um, for that donation you made uh, to um, that 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 charity that I started. Um, thank you. God bless you. And not only that, but the the the, the message that you left me uh, on that GoFundMe GoFundMe site. Thank you. God bless you for that. Thank you. From the bottom of my heart. Not not just the, the money. Thank you. The message that both touched my heart big time. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you're doing well up there in uh, in Sonoma. And hopefully it's not as crazy, rainy, windy as it is there as it is for me here. Love you, brother. Love you. Cool. All right. Um, and, and let me actually go. So I'm going to go to the bottom here to, to Michael's comment. And then I'll come back and answer more. Uh, Michael said, uh, and, and Michael started a wonderful charity. Uh, up in, up in Sonoma, uh, and Michael, if you ever wanted to, I, I'd, and you know that you get all my courses for free forever, and everybody that's in your charity forever, you do great things, brother. Um, if you ever wanted me to profile your your company here, um, uh, uh, let me know from a case study perspective. Thank you. 
so Michael's saying, good morning, Chris. Um, uh, sorry, I can't watch live today as I have to lead a training this morning. I'll watch it later. Thank you. And Michael said, I want to share a quote that reminded me of your approach of throwing all the parts to a plane off a cliff, which I'll explain to everybody in a second. Uh, jumping off and trying to assemble it before you, you land. Uh, and your quote is this. Michael said, your quote, if you have everything under control, you're not moving fast enough. That's Mario Andretti. I, dude, I love that. I love that. And you got to create chaos in your life. I, I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love that Mario Andretti quote. Thank you. And he wrote here, have a great day. And thank you for being such an amazing uh, human. No, thank you. God, God bless you for that donation of that art, my charity and stuff. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love that. And, and the airplane thing that, that, that Michael is, uh, uh, God bless you, brother, that Michael is referring to is, is a quote. It, it's something that, that I mention uh, every now and then, uh, which is, I, I love to challenge myself. This is going to sound out there, but you'll understand a little bit more about who I am um, for better, for worse. But I always feel like whenever I start a company uh, or a new product or initiative like this MBA degree program thing, um, I feel like I'm standing on the edge of a cliff and I'm looking out over the cliff and I throw a bunch of airplane parts off the cliff. Then what I do is, because it's so over my head, what I'm doing, um, story of my life. Then what I do is I jump off the cliff and I have to try to assemble the airplane before I land. Um, and that rush of being over my head and, and really challenging myself is, is what drives me. Um, so that's, that's what I felt like last year with the MBA program. Thank goodness. Um, I'm humbled to say it's worked out incredibly well. But you got to take risks. And I take a ton of risks. And so let me show you my, my favorite quote of all time. It's uh, Michael Jordan, of course, said, and this is a big Michael Jordan day too. You see in the background, I've got another poster of his. I failed over and over again in my life and that's why I succeed. Yeah, yeah. You got to be willing to fail a lot and not give a damn what anybody thinks you as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. All right, next up we've got here, um, let's see here. Uh, Naman is, is saying, uh, Hey Chris, um, why the chat option has been disabled on the website to chat with your team? I'm unable to see it. Um, uh, please confirm. Thanks. Yeah. 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 You can always, uh, you can always send a message to us. Uh, and it's listed in the FAQ section. I think of on my website too. You can always, uh, email, uh, two emails. One is support at haroonventures.com. Um, and then the other one, uh, is, uh, admissions. Uh, at uh, haroonventures.com. And let me show you the, the customer support product uh, we use uh, in case other people watching this want to figure out a way to upgrade their, their support process. Okay, so let's say that you're a smaller company and you're starting to get a lot of inbounds uh, or even a medium-sized or large company. And you're like, dude, we, we gotta, we're having growing pains. How do we simplify customer support? I'll show you what we do. I have nothing to hide. I show you everything always. So what I use is a product uh, called Fresh Desk. So I'll go there with you. Freshdesk.com. Okay. Customer support uh, right here. Um, and then what I do is um, you can log in as, as, as uh, or you can you can send a message to me. It's, it's, it's Haroon. Give me a second. Haroonventures.freshdesk.com. Okay. But you can always email support at Haroonventures.com. I just want to show you how, how this works. Okay. So, um, yeah. Okay. Log in. Great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, come on, log in. It's killing me. Here we go, good, okay, great. So the way these the way it works is um, you, you submit a, a ticket, right? So right here, um, I just received uh, somebody, it sent a message and it might be you, okay? Um, yeah, and I'm not gonna open up, might, might be more of a personal message there. Uh, but whenever I get messages, this is how I, I get, I respond to them. And then what I can do is um, I can forward them to different agents, right? Or other people I work with uh, and mark them as open or close. So whenever you send an email to support at haroonventures.com uh, or admissions at haroonventures.com, it comes right to here directly, freshdesk.com. I'm not sponsored by anybody, but that's that's how I manage uh, customer support. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, um, and, and I, I streamlined my process because I found that um, before I did so, I was all about, you know me, I, I, I give, 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 whatever it takes. I don't care about profits, uh, but profits follow because I do what I love doing. Um, but uh, up until not too long ago, um, I, I hired a company actually to help me with customer support to streamline it and to create what's called a wiki, okay? Meaning just a bunch of questions people ask. And for every question I got from students, Every question I got on all platforms, it would cost $5.80 to respond to each platform or to each question. That's a lot. That eats into my profit margin big time. Um, and that's just what happened. I, I would spend a, an insane amount of time writing answers, yada, yada, yada. We streamlined the process. We created a wiki, meaning a, a document with just general FAQs that customer support reps can use. And then we got it down to a buck. Uh, per, per, per question, which is pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. All right. But a lot of video game video game software companies, if they get two customer support calls, they lose money on that product. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, um, uh, Michael Young is saying, hey, Chris, how are you? I'm, I'm great. I hope you're doing well. Um, uh, I hope you're doing great. You wrote, thank you for the free courses you gave on LinkedIn a couple of days ago. My, my pleasure, my pleasure. Um, we, we had an insanely high number of people uh, download the, the courses, which means from a customer support perspective, uh, I ended up losing a lot of money. I don't give a damn. But my team, I told them, get ready, man, for an on inbound tons more questions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, last time I did that was... Um, um, and it was in the six figures. I mean, the number of courses people download. Last time I did that, it was it was seven. It was over a million in a day um, uh, during March of last year. And one one of the reasons I did is because I I care. And, and when people downloaded my courses for free, what I did was I prefaced it with, um, "Please donate uh, to United Way." And I'll show you exactly how how I did it. Uh, and a lot of people think I'm a little bit out there for doing this, but I don't care. I want to help. So what I did was, um, if you go to uh, go to LinkedIn, go to my, my LinkedIn page, um, people were, were able to, to download all my, or 10 of my courses for free, tons of them. Uh, I want to do more, but Udemy only lets you do 10 at a time now. Um, but um, I'll show you exactly how I advertise this. And I use color as well, right? So if you're going to use, um, if you want to create... Um, if you want to create a post that you want everybody to see, you got to look at the color wheel and use colors that are opposite uh, each other, okay? So in this case, I used um, yellow and purple, which are more or less opposite each other. Here it is here, okay, yeah. Um, uh, and so what I did was I said, uh, for the next three days, my courses are free, whatever. 
Um, and then um, what, what happens is you, you, you click here to get it. And it's just a Google Doc. And then I wrote here, the only thing I ask is that, and for anybody that downloaded these for free um, uh, and didn't, didn't donate, please donate today. If you have money. If not, I get it. That's cool, man. Donate later in life. But I ask people to donate here to UNICEF uh, for, for kids with um, COVID, et cetera, or to local charities that you have. Th these these coupons don't don't work anymore. Uh, Udemy doesn't allow you to do it for more than a certain amount of time and a certain number, number of coupons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'll find another way to give you guys everything for free again. I promise you. Yeah, yeah. So, so thanks for that. But in terms of the, the color wheel in general, uh, let me show you what I mean by that. From a graphic design perspective, this might help you a lot. I'm going to spell color correct way the Canadian way represents color wheel so Isaac Newton um, discovered this um, right after he discovered gravity um, when you know when he put light through a prism and wrote dark side of the moon sorry uh, but but basically what the color wheel means is you take colors that are opposite each other and you put that on your thumbnail and it attracts the eye and if you go into a candy store you'll notice that a lot of candy wrappers do this as well. Like Nerds Candy has uh, pink and green in the same package, right? Um, speaking of, of a nerd. But what I did there was I chose yellow and purple uh, for that uh, on LinkedIn, for, for that image, okay? Now, when you do opposites, like I did here, it's very pleasing to the eye. Uh, and I wanted everyone to know about this as well. And, and I felt also guilty about another article that was written about me this, this week about um, money and stuff. Yeah. All right. Let, let me go back over here and get back on track. Thank you for your patience. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, and then, uh, uh, Michael is saying, do you think international students should get, can get a job in Canada and be sponsored to live there after doing a master's degree? Yeah. Um, so, so Canada has a wonderful, uh, immigration policy. Um, it, it, it's awesome. Uh, my, my dad immigrated from, from Egypt in 1967 uh, to Canada. And in 1967, the two biggest immigrant groups to, to Canada were Egyptians uh, and, and Vietnamese because there's wars in both both countries. Yeah. Uh, but Canada is wonderful when it comes to immigration. Yeah. In terms of uh, getting a job, I'm not sure what the, the latest legal code is in Canada, um, but it has a wonderful immigration policy wonderful it's it's one of the easier countries to get into um and, and they're letting lots of people in which i love which is one of the reasons i've been investing a lot of money in real estate in canada i, I bought a building um a year ago when the whole world was freaking out that's when you buy whatever was panicking when it feels uncomfortable for yourself i bought a yeah building in london ontario um where i was born uh and i'm in the process of closing on another one very very soon yeah yeah, yeah. but for those of you that that want to work in, in a certain country and you're like, dude, how do I get a visa there? Well, one way to do it is this. Get a job at a big company that has the headquarters in the country you want to live in. Get a job in your country, in that country, in that company. Do an amazing job, okay? Like an incredible job. Network like crazy. And you can read my networking book on my website for free. Um, do a great job. And then what will happen is you will rise through the ranks and eventually they have to send you to the mothership, meaning the corporate headquarters, uh, in order to make it to the next level and all that good stuff. It happens all the time. All right. 
and then Michael is saying, my dream is to be accepted in, in the Toronto University. Um, that's where my wife went, University of Toronto, yeah. Uh, and get a job there after I graduate, yeah. Um, and give me one second, please. Yeah. Um, and then you wrote, uh, what should I do uh, to make that dream a, a reality? Yeah, 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 yeah. So if you want to go to uh, University of Toronto, um, what I, or any, and I'm going to answer this from a generic perspective, apply to everybody on the webcast. So in business, you always have to think from the other person's perspective. Like if you meet with a salesperson or somebody in a company, a for-profit company, before you meet them, you have to understand they're motivated by three things. They want to make more money, save, or they want to make more money, they want to get promoted faster, uh, and, and they want to enjoy what they do. And so you go into that meeting being able to attack one of these three categories and help them uh, in their career, meaning give, 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 give. Oh my God, I said give a lot there. Give and you'll receive, right? It's, it's the crux of this great book called Give and Take by Adam Grant, which I love. You, you got to read it, please. Um, but when it comes to uh, uh, somebody that works in admissions at a university, you have to think of it from their perspective. What are they trying to do? What, what is, what, let me get inside their minds. Well, what they're trying to do is they're trying to create a very diverse student body. Okay, it's not just about people with great grades or great, you know, standardized test scores, which doesn't apply in Canada because Canada's never had the SAT, nor should they. That's why I love it. And the SAT is getting phased out finally. Yay. So you have to diversify the student body. How do you do that? Well, in your res in your the essay. Uh, to get into that university or any university, you have to talk about how you're different. You know, what, what makes you interesting, inspirational, and different. Remember those three words. That's what I teach my MBA degree students. You know, what makes you different or unique, inspirational, and interesting. Write that down. Unique, inspirational, interesting. This one's key. Unique, being different. How do you diversify the student body? So for me, um, you know, I, when I wrote applications years ago, um, I, I, I lived in Cuba for a while. I went on exchange and I knew that no one would have that on, on their application. Um, and I went to school, University of the United States, and I knew at the time it was a risk. No Americans were allowed to go to Cuba at the time. So I wrote about that, how I went on exchange in Cuba. And I knew it was a risk. You know, if, if, if you're... You know, very, very right wing, you might hate the fact I did that. But if you're more left wing on an admissions committee, maybe you are. I don't know. Maybe you'd like that sort of thing. I don't know. I don't know. So just be interesting, unique, and, and different. And if you want, you can read a wonderful book that's going to help you write an incredible essay. And that book, it's really short. Um, it's, it's written by a husband and wife named Carpenter and Carpenter. Um, and the name of the book is Marketing Yourself to the top business schools. You don't have to go to a business school or whatever it is, but this book is short. It's 145 pages. Uh, I read it. Um, I remember when I applied to universities, I read it uh, and I went golfing by myself. It was bizarre, all by myself. And I read that book in between holes and I made little notes in, in, in the column on the side there. Yeah, Marketing Yourself to the Top Business Schools by Carpenter and Carpenter. You don't have to use it to get into a business school, but it helps you write your essays to come across as, as, as unique uh, and interesting and inspiring as well. Okay. 
Uh, next up, uh, Siddharth. Hey, Siddharth is saying, hey, Chris, I uh, hope you're doing well. Uh, likewise. Uh, today, I'd like to talk to you about how to keep oneself motivated uh, in what do you feel you're lacking in the motivation? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So the question is, how do you increase your level of motivation? Um, motivation specifically to go to work uh, and just progress through each day. Yeah. So what I would say is if, if you're having problems um, going to work and you, you feel super unmotivated, it might mean that you're burned out. And one of the biggest lessons I learned when I first started working, when I worked at Goldman Sachs, I had this wonderful client uh, from Manulife. Her name was Rhonda Chang in Toronto. Love her. And she said to me, Chris, the most important thing I can tell you in your career is the day you get back from your vacation, open up your calendar, look six months out and book the next vacation. And she said that to me so that I don't burn out. And it, it's interesting because there's, um, I was watching National Ge Geographic years ago uh, and they had this, uh, this gazelle that was being chased. Uh, by by a, by a, a tiger um, or a cheetah uh, in Africa, and what they did was they they were monitoring the the blood pressure and everything of the gazelle, and they made sure it didn't get caught by the tiger, of course, or or, or cheetah. And they noticed something: when the gazelle was running away from the cheetah, of course, the heart rate increased materially. But what also happened was the immune system shut down. And the reproductive system shut down because all the blood was pumping to the heart and that, that all that the gazelle was, was focused on doing from a biological perspective was surviving. Now, we weren't meant in our lives to feel that kind of pressure unless we're running for our lives. And the problem is that we work at these big companies, we overanalyze things and we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. It's mainly us. Um, and because of that, we get sick much faster, we age faster, our immune system and reproductive systems don't work as well. And, and I've had lots of wonderful friends uh, that have tried to um, conceive naturally, um, and it, it's, it's a stressful thing. And every time they, as a couple, have tried to conceive, it didn't work and they're stressed out. Uh, and eventually what they did was they, they end up adopting a beautiful baby. That's a beautiful thing to adopt. I might do that later. So, and then what happens is after they adopt this beautiful baby, they're relaxed, they're chill, the whole family is happy, life is good. Then they get pregnant naturally. Why? Because we shouldn't be the gazelle in our lives. And I mentioned this also um, because we weren't meant to feel this kind of stress in our lives unless we're being chased by the cheetah. And so if you're feeling an insane amount of stress at work, it might be because you're not taking enough breaks. And, you know, this is uh, thousands and thousands of years old, but uh, in, in the ancient texts, there's, there's 10 rules, which is the basis for many modern, beautiful religions. And one of those rules is to just take, take a day off a week, man. You know, like, like, like God even said he, built, he made the world in, in seven days or six days to rest on the seventh. He didn't have to rest. Obviously, he's God. He's the best man. But that's just to send a message to us. Don't be the gazelle. You have to take one day off a week always. Uh, and, and maybe that's why you're not feeling motivated. 
or, or maybe like sometimes I remember when I worked at Goldman Sachs and every company I've worked at, Citadel, hedge funds, everything, uh, consulting, et cetera. Uh, I would once a year, at least I would take a day off when I wasn't physically sick. I would do it when I'm mentally sick. It's like a mental health day when I was just too stressed out. It was just, just too stressed, too much going on up there. And I had to decompress and just relax and take a day off. It's wonderful medicine for you. And if you go into work with that mind frame anyway, many of us have been there. You might say something you shouldn't be saying or be a little bit rude, which is not my nature. But I could be rude if I was really stressed out. I'm best off never having gone to work that day at all. Take your breaks. Uh, and, and the Dalai Lama has this wonderful book that everybody's got to read, please. It's, it's called, the, uh, uh, it's called the, the Art of Happiness. It's great. And what, what, what the Dalai Lama says is that um, the problem with Western society is that we sacrifice our health our entire lives to make money. Uh, and then at the end of our lives, we sacrifice all of our money in order to maintain our health. And then we look back and we realize we never really lived to begin with. So take care of yourself. And last thing I'll say about that, it's a wonderful quote in closing from uh, uh, Sir, Sir Winston Churchill. Um, Winston Churchill once said, I, I, met, I met a man, I once met a man who on his deathbed talked about all the worries he had in his life, none of which came true. So most things we worry about are, are, are up here, to be honest. Yeah, so, all right. And also, one more thing I got to say, when it comes to motivation in general, uh, Siddharth, if, if you're not motivated it might also mean that you're not doing what you're passionate about. And, you know, when you get out of bed in the morning, if you, and I say it with love my heart, okay, to all of us, to myself included, when you get out of bed in the morning, if you tell yourself, oh, I have to get up and go to work now, you're doing it wrong. You got to find your passion, your purpose, your, your raison d'etre. You know, what was the reason that I was put on this earth? If it feels like work, you're never going to excel at it. All these amazing people, like 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 Jeff Bezos, Oprah Winfrey, uh, you know Elon Musk, Bill Gates, whatever, um, Mark Benioff, Mark Cuban, they 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 never had a job. It was a passion. They loved doing what they're doing. They loved it. It's competitive in business, man. If you're going to excel at something, you have to love it. Otherwise, you're not going to be good at it. It's true. And don't chase money. Otherwise, you'll lose your money and your dreams. I get it. We need money early on this, but to, to succeed and pay the bills. But at some point, enough is enough. Enough is enough. You got to chase your dreams. Because if you chase your dreams and you're willing to fail a bunch of times, something, something wonderful happens. Your, 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 your dreams come true and the money follows accidentally. It always does, no matter what anybody tells you. And if you don't fail and take risks in your life, like this wonderful poster behind me, then something happens which is a disaster. You wake up one day and you're really, really old and you tell yourself, damn it. I work for this schmuck and this jerk 
pays me this much money to make his or her dreams become a reality. Don't let that be you. And if I can humbly help you to find your passion and create your company or 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 change careers, then, then please sign up for one of my courses or my MBA degree program uh, at this web address here. All right. Next up, Siraj uh, is saying, hello, namaste, uh, my HEV, Haroon Education Ventures family. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, next up, Naveed is saying, hey, Chris, uh, during an interview, if you have less numbers of years experience than other people uh, that you're competing with, how do you counter that? Yeah. So the question is, during an interview, if you have not that many years of work experience, how do you compete with those that do? Well, what you have to do is you have to sell yourself as being somebody that's uh, incredibly unique uh, and you have different life experiences, okay? Um, so, and for those of you that, that are in my MBA degree program, we're, we're going through this right now as I help you with your resumes, LinkedIn profiles, et cetera. You have to come across as incredibly unique and you have different life experiences, which compensates for the lack of years of experience uh, that you have relative to other people. You know, maybe it's something along the lines of you grew up in a different country or a different region of the world. And in that region of the world, you have different ways of approaching problems um, or you understand certain customers better because you grew up in a certain market or you're a different age group. Or maybe it's just you're younger and you understand how to sell to younger people because you grew up in the YouTube generation or whatever apps it is people, younger people are using these days. See, I'm out of touch, man. But because you understand your demographic, the younger age group better than many other people do, you can help the company sell to and cater to and uh, to, to that, that, that demographic, not just them as customers, but them as business partners and eventually employees one day. You know, you're, you're unique in your abilities because you grew up using technology to communicate in a different way and you understand that market. And that market is a massive percent of the potential total addressable market of the company you might be working for. Obviously back it up as well. You can say that you did research and you can do this actually. You bring your resume in and on the back of your resume, um, you have um, a study you did, which looks at the demographics uh, or percent of customers that that company has you're interviewing at that are under a certain age, right? And, and you can say this, this is a, a growth sector. I understand this age group very well because I grew up digital as part of this age group. And you know my, my, my lack of years of experience is much more so compensated uh, by my, 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 my entire life being exposed to how my current demographic, my age groups consumes media. So you, you can spin it that way if you want to as well. And if you have additional questions based on that, as always, let me know. Thank you. All right. And then Tony, Tony two times. Uh, and I think you have two two YouTube things here too. You you, you go by uh, uh, um, somebody else as well. I, I remember that. Uh, yeah yeah yeah. Anthony Corey as well. Yeah yeah. I remember that. So Tony two times. This uh, it's cool though. It's saying uh, nice intro there, Chris. I, I love it. Thank you. Thank you. It was fun. Yeah. Oh dude. Hats off to my my wonderful chief creative officer, uh, Matt Lacus, and I gave him equity in my my MBA degree program uh, subsidiary. 
Um, he made that. Uh, he did a great job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. He did, he did a great job. Last minute, too. He took a bunch of videos we had. Yeah, he did a great job. Amazing. All right. All right, next up, we've got Fortune Blueprint, uh, who's saying, uh, hi, hi, Chris. Hey, I want to know your advice and input on, is it possible to have a blockchain-based real-time uh, money transfer? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So for those who are not familiar with, with blockchain, um, blockchain is it's it's the essence of cryptocurrencies. Um, think of blockchain like remember those old ledger books, like in, in the old days where we we used to write down uh, debits and credits, right? Uh, and how much money you spent on stuff, how much money you made. That's what blockchain is. It's like a digital version of that. And uh, with with Bitcoin, it's a digital version of that. With other cryptocurrencies, it's much much more to the extent that it's like um, like with it. There's this one cryptocurrency called uh, Ethereum, uh, or or and Ether is the name of the token that trades on that platform uh, ticker ETH. And on the Ethereum platform, blockchain is not just a digital ledger. It's so much more. It's also uh, it's also able to store any sort of data that's important to you. Think of contracts or legal records or DocuSign meets real-time blockchain. Okay, that, that's, that's basically a, a summary of what blockchain is in general. And so your question is, um, can you have real-time money transfers uh, for, for blockchain? I don't see why not. I don't see why not. So the reason why so many cryptocurrencies exist is because there are limitations with some cryptocurrencies. And so people make better ones or faster ones, for example, speaking of speed. So uh, Litecoin, ticker LTC, uh, one of the reasons that crypto was made is because Bitcoin is, you know, it's a bit slow. Bitcoin is actually pretty slow compared to a lot of the more recent um, uh, newer cryptocurrencies. Yeah. So speed is definitely an issue that people are, are improving upon uh, with each new um, reputable cryptocurrency. Most of them are crap. Um, but, um, yeah, so absolutely. I don't see why, why you can't do real time or near real time money transfers. Yeah. All right. All right. Oh, Nilsa, how are you? Uh, Nilsa is from uh, Puerto Rico. She's one of my amazing, uh, MBA degree students. Uh, Nilsa is saying, uh, Chris, good morning. Uh, what a beautiful introduction video. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you, Nilsa. Thank you. So Nilsa, Nilsa lived in New York as well for a while. Uh, and then she and her husband run a, an engineering company uh, in, in Puerto Rico. She's incredibly well-spoken. Uh, and the first time, I, first time I talked to her, she was moving back and forth like this. And I knew she was on a bike. I wanted to say something. But if, if I said, are you cycling? And she said, no, I would, have felt, I would have felt dumb. But just like me, she likes to exercise while she's... Uh, uh, while, while she's uh, while she's working, gets more done. And that's why with this desk here, and I showed you guys before, I won't go there today, but I can raise this desk up and I have a cheap walking treadmill underneath to get my 20,000 steps in. Yeah, yeah those are my kids. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, Siddharth is saying, uh, also talking about your networking book, Chris, I did submit my details, but didn't receive the book. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's because it's in your junk mailbox. Yeah. So um, if, if, if what Siddhartha is referring to is if you go to my website, um, haroonventures.com, what you can do is uh, if, if you scroll down, you can download this book. Uh, and then you're saying that you, you can't find the book. It's because it's in your, your, your junk mailbox. 
or just enter another email address. It, it works. It will work. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, next up, Kunal saying, hey, Chris, I uh, hope you're doing well. Likewise. Good, good to see you. Kunal Jane. I went to school with a guy named uh, Rakesh Jane. Good guy. Uh, we call him Ricky Jane. Yeah, Rakesh. Good dude. Smart guy. He owns a, a big-time private equity firm now in, in, in New York. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Uh, Siddharth is saying, um, I don't know why or not. I even checked spam, but I couldn't. Yeah. So just try using a different email address. Um, yeah. And if it doesn't work, then just email support at haroonventures.com. Uh, and then um, I'll personally re reply for you. Thanks. Oh, my God. You're right. Tony, two times, is saying, drink water, Chris. You know, dude, I'm such a hypocrite, eh? I started off this webcast saying you have to drink water. And I said my biggest problem is drinking water. It's, yeah. And I have barely taken a sip. It, it's, I'm telling you, if you finish a gallon of water a day, you'll have so much more energy. Life works better. Your skin clears up everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Tony. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, and then Tony, Tony's saying, oh, dude, you remember everything. You're awesome. And I remembered his, I don't forget, I love my students. Uh, his fiance is Blake's. She works at Blake's, a law firm. Yeah, yeah. In Toronto. All right, um, and Tony moved from Montreal to Toronto, but he's he's a massive Toronto Maple Leafs fan. I know that, yes, because everyone from Montreal that moves to Toronto loves the Maple Leafs. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, Gabrielle is saying, "Hey, Chris, hey, hope you're well." Uh, Aishira is saying, "Hey, Chris, hope hope you're well as well." And if I mispronounce anyone's name, uh, please let me know. Um, I have a long list of how to pronounce people's names under this monitor here. I printed out with my sticker printer thing so let me know please i'm sorry if i am the question is how would someone get over their physical insecurities and fear of being judged uh, because of them yeah um so and then you wrote here how can someone get comfortable in their own skin and not care what other people think uh, and be more confident about themselves so what i have to say is um you think that everyone's judging you and thinking about you and criticizing you in their minds, the reality is nobody cares. Like, no one's thinking of that sort of thing. And as Dr. Seuss said, those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. Uh, but my, my best advice for you is is this. Um, there, there's a chart that I'm going to draw for you, a virtual chart here. Um, and I, I want you to take it to heart. It, it, it works, I promise you. So here's a chart, and, and I'll draw it, I, I guess, on... This will be prophetic to draw it on here. Yeah. All right. Okay. So here's a chart. It's going to change your life. Uh, on the X axis here is your age. On the Y axis is give a sh darn. Okay. Give a darn. When you're younger, um, like like my, my, my three boys, uh, you can see that, that picture there in the corner. Uh, my three boys, you're down here. You don't give a damn what people think of you. When you're old, you're here. You don't give a damn what people think of you. Old people don't have confidence problems. The problem is when you're right up here, okay? When you're here in your 20s and 30s, you give a damn what people think of you. I call this the triangle of despair, and you need to avoid this like the plague. 
avoid this triangle of despair. I want you to live at this level down here. Not give a damn what people think. I'm not saying be rude or disingenuous, but just don't give a damn what, what, what people think. Live at this level. And the most successful people are like this. They don't care what people think of them. They don't care. You know, Michael Jordan, imagine a professional athlete that's playing on a field with millions of people watching. And they're insecure and thinking, oh my gosh, if I miss this shot, will people care? Dude, if they thought that way, they, they wouldn't be they wouldn't be at the top of their game at all. You got to tell yourself, I don't give a damn what anybody thinks. Elon Musk doesn't give a damn what anybody thinks. I mean, he's been talking about colonizing Mars forever now. He doesn't care if people think he's cray-cray. He's not. He's brilliant. He doesn't care. You need to live at this level, too, and say, I'm going to be me. I don't care what people think of me. I don't care that I have this awful take care of my eye. Sometimes it drives me nuts. Now you're all going to look for it. But I don't care if people see it. I just don't care. I don't care. I don't care what people think. I, I don't care that, you know, I, 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 I play. I, I enjoy playing um, uh, Super Mario Galaxy 2, which is better than 1, with my kids over and over again. I don't care what people think. I don't give a damn. That's what you have to say. You have to have that mentality of saying, I don't give a damn what the whole world thinks of me. I just don't care. Okay? Say it with me. I don't care. It's, it's, it's therapeutic. And your homework is this. I want you to get a big piece of paper and I want you to write down many, many times. I don't care about X and fill in the blank for X. I don't care what people think of my hair. I've been gray since my 20s. It's kind of fun. My hair is usually not this reddish. People see me and they're like, oh my gosh, ridiculous hair dye, Chris. Kind of like with, with older ladies, their hair is kind of reddish, but you're like, dude, I don't remember her hair being red. I don't care if people think that about me. You have to be the same way. You just got to say, I don't care what the world thinks. Screw the world. I'm just going to be me. I'm going to live my life on my terms. I'm not going to care what anybody thinks. Otherwise, what happens is you, you age prematurely. You age prematurely because you worry all the time. Just be you. Just be you. And I have to quote Warren, or I have to quote um, Winston Churchill again, the same quote I used earlier, which is this. <clears throat> I once met a man who on his deathbed talked about all the worries he had in his life, none of which came true. You be you. You do you. I don't want you to give a damn what anybody thinks of you from this point forward forever. Welcome to you 2.0. All right. Next up, we got Vincent. Um, uh, hello, Mr. Rune. My name is Vince. Um, Vince, nice to meet you. Vince Lombardi, great quote, great coach um, for the Green Bay Packers. Um, and has a lot of great quotes. You got to look up his quotes. He, he was a hell of a motivator. Yeah, yeah. Um, hello, my name is Vince. Uh, thank you for hosting these office hours. Uh, my friend Paul and I both took your MBA one course preemptively to prepare for an MBA at McMaster. Uh, go Canada. Awesome. Awesome. It's so interesting because even my, my MBA degree program, which you can get at this web address, um, I have a lot of students that take it that are currently at top MBA schools. And they tell me they learn a hell of a lot more 
for my course. Plus, you get a 30-day money-back guarantee uh, for mine as well. Yeah, yeah. But best of luck there, McMaster. That, that's awesome, awesome. And the great thing about McMaster is you can get into medical school there um, without even an undergrad. Yeah, yeah. Which reminds me of my favorite charity, which is called Doctors Without Diplomas. Yeah. No? Sorry. <laughs> McMaster's a great school. Thank you. Okay, cool. Uh, and then Vincent is saying, after completing uh, a master's in science in health sciences, what are your thoughts about pursuing an MBA after completing a, a master in science? Yeah, the only reason, and this is this is just me, obviously I'm very opinionated. <clears throat> the only reason I think you should do an MBA in a traditional school is if you set up a thousand um, informational meetings using what I talk about in my free, free networking book, which you can get on my website. You set up a thousand, hear me out here, informational meetings and you do that to try to change careers. And after a thousand meetings, you can't change careers. It doesn't work. So then do an MBA at a traditional school, which costs hundred grand in America. Canada's cheaper and stuff. Yeah. I know it's weird for me to say that, but think of it this way. If every single meeting that you did, every informational meeting cost you a hundred bucks and you did a thousand meetings, a thousand times a hundred is a hundred thousand dollars and you still can't change careers, then do an MBA. That, that's what I think. That's what I think. I, I think that you can change careers without an MBA. Maybe your reasons for doing it are different. Uh, God bless you. Uh, I, I don't know what reasons they are. That's cool. So each their own. But I really do believe that you can change careers by networking aggressively. And at the beginning of all of my classes, when I, I used to work full-time venture capital and during the evenings, uh, I would teach at a bunch of universities. Um, and there was this one university I taught at, uh, San Francisco State University. I love those students. Um, some of them came for money, but my favorite ones were always the ones that were poor, smart, and hungry, that were dealt a crappy set of cards in life. It's, it's what drives me to do what I do. But what I would do was, uh, on the first day of class, and I always had big classes with like 70 students, uh, and they were 10 weeks long, uh, undergraduate and MBA. Um, I, I would always say, if I told all of you that over the next 10 weeks, if you set up 10 informational meetings that you were guaranteed to get the job of your dream, would you do it? All 70 hands go up. It's like the wave. Yeah. Then on the last day, I ask, how many of you over the past 10 weeks did those 10 informational meetings? No hands go up. How many did nine? No hands go up. How many did eight or seven? Some hands go up. Those are the students that First of all, never got the top grades. But those are the students that always got the jobs of their dreams. Your network is your net worth. Relationships are more important than product knowledge, always. And to learn how to network, if you want, what you can do is download this book of mine on networking. And you can get it from my website, which is haroonventures.com. All right, I am getting hungry, dude. All right. Hmm. Oh, that's good. Okay, next up I've got Fred is saying, hi, Chris. Hey, Fred, hope you're doing well. And we have Paul here. Paul's saying, hi, Chris. Uh, love your work. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I'm Paul, uh, the other master of science uh, in health science. Uh, okay, you're, you're buddies with, with, um, <coughs> with Vincent here. Cool. Um, and nice to meet you. Um, what is your advice uh, for any careers that are not 
associated um, or that are or are not associated with health sciences that you would um, potentially recommend? Yeah, the best way I can answer that is if you're given a month off and you're not allowed to travel and you're not allowed to go to work, what would you do with your time? That's what you should be doing for your career. And I don't care what anybody says or anybody thinks. This is your life, not theirs. Do what you're passionate about. All right, next up, Navid is saying, uh, thanks for the advice on investing in asset classes. You're most welcome. If you're working with within the investment sector, you're not allowed to invest in the markets, usually due to conflicts of interest. Uh, what's your advice? Yeah, yeah. No, you gotta take compliance rules very, very seriously. So when I worked at Goldman Sachs, um, there were certain stocks I wasn't allowed to buy. They were put on what's called a restricted list. We didn't know why. Maybe it's because the investment bankers, bankers were, were advising on a deal or something. You, you got to be careful of that. And also, I had to hold stocks for 30 days at least, uh, which is a good thing. It's a good thing. So, and if anybody is worried about compliance issues, or if you think you might have heard something, meaning uh, non-proprietary uh, information like uh, confidential information or insider information. Uh, tell, tell your boss at your company um, it, or your hum the head of HR or compliance director, if you have one, you'll look like a million bucks and, and you'll save yourself jail time and others as well, maybe. Yeah. And it's a serious thing. It's a serious thing. Um, and so there's something called Regulation FD or Regulation Fair Disclosure. And Regulation FD was created by Elliot Spitzer, the senator of New York in 2002. And what it stipulates is that everybody should get access to information at the same time, meaning all the big mutual funds or hedge funds that can't outperform retail investors like us. Um, everyone should get access to information at the same time. Everybody, including you and I. And if you hear something that the whole world can't get access to or doesn't know, don't transact on it because you will get caught. Just don't do it. And I, I've had friends in the hedge fund industry that have done it and they've gone to jail. And, you know, whenever I have a friend that something bad happens to them, I run towards them instead of running away from them, which is what most people do. And I've gone to jail to visit them. And it's not a happy thing. Yeah, You, you, you don't want to go to Club Fed. You want to go to jail for, just kidding, uh, for, for doing something you don't understand. So if you're not sure, tell your compliance director. Always, yeah. Yeah, just 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 be careful. All right. Next up, uh Tony. Hey Tony. Uh Tony, God bless you. Thanks so much for that uh that that the, the text last night, man. You you had me laughing. So so Tony is a a very warm human being, great guy. He's uh he lives um in McLean, Virginia, right? In McLean, Virginia. Um, and uh, he, he's got a very, very successful uh, construction company. Um, and he's a successful parent because his kids just got into USC. They earned it. They, Yeah, they, they were not all grad people that get into USC, as you've seen in the news in the past year, earned it. They earned it. It's one of the toughest schools to get into. Beautiful school, great school as well. I visited it with, uh, with, with my son, Andrew, who's looking at going to university soon uh, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's a good dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Tony said, I'm currently enrolled in the Platinum MBA program now. 
uh, and have been an entrepreneur for 29 years. Just want to tell my cohorts on this call that this is the best investment I've ever made to date. God bless you, Tony. Thank you so much for that, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And thanks for your your your, your words of wisdom and, and advice for me that, that you gave um, on, on the text last night, etc. And I hope you laughed at my response. Yeah, thank you. And I'm so sorry for cussing in my response. I didn't mean to, but it was fun. God bless you, man. Thank you. Thank you. All right, cool. And then Manuelula uh, uh, is saying, hello, Haroon. Hey there. Okay. Uh, next up, we have Christian saying, hi, Chris. Uh, I'm from rainy South Africa. It's raining here too today as well. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, uh, Tony, um, who is talking about my, my MBA program, he's saying, uh, experiential, practical, and self-improvement for all aspects of your life. I apply everything I learn immediately. The world needs more entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you. And I learned so much from my students too. I have wonderful students and they inspire me so much. Yeah, and each other. And then Tony is saying, uh, all it takes is extremely hard work, discipline, and good habits. This program, the MBA program, will eliminate a lot of risks in entrepreneurship. Good luck to all. Thank you, Tony. God bless you, brother. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and then we have a, a question here from uh, a dean who's saying, do you think uh, when Melvin Capital has to cover its shorts on GameStop that they maybe uh, would have to sell some of their long positions so they have enough cash to stay alive? Uh, then he wrote, thanks, Chris. Great work. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, um, I, I don't know what their portfolio is, is, is like, um, but yeah, yeah. But you don't need cash to cover a short. Um, usually the prime brokerage firm... Uh, which is basically a, a bank for, for hedge funds, will we'll help you out with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, I don't recommend anybody short stocks uh, unless you're a professional money manager. If you want to bet against a company, uh, buy puts. Because when you short a company, the losses can be unlimited if the stock goes up a ton. But if you buy a put, um, which basically means you invest a tiny amount of money, and if the stock goes down, you make a bunch. But if the stock goes up, all you lose is this much here. Use puts instead of, of shorting stocks. Yeah. And make sure to look to see uh, if the stock is crowded uh, from a short perspective or not, meaning the short interest ratio should be less than 10 days. Otherwise, you shouldn't look at shorting it. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, ne next up, uh, I've got, uh, and if I miss any questions in between, let me know, please. I read everything uh, in the order in which I, re I see it here. But sometimes I have senior moments I miss stuff. Next up, we have uh, Kunal who's saying, um, I've, I've, I've been away from uh, the webcast for a while um, because last year I, I took the best decision of my life by being a student of your complete job course on Udemy. Thank you. Uh, and I'm glad to tell you that today I landed an awesome job uh, at my dream consulting company, all because of you, Chris. This job means a lot to me. Congratulations, man. Congratulations. And in this COVID world, what people do on webcasts um, when they use Zoom is they go like this to clap. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen people do this even lately as, as, as well. So that's not a golf clap. That's a real sincere right from my heart clap. And congratulations. And thank you for your support. Thank you. Uh, and then Kunal wrote here, fun fact, uh, the company that you interviewed at rejected me Um and they said I was overqualified, but your course helped me to get me on track with the interview process. Uh, I would highly recommend uh, this course to everyone here. It's named the Complete 
resume LinkedIn and get your dream job course. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and then you wrote here, I know, Chris, you're probably going to say all, all I am is due to my students and customers, which is true. Then you went on to say, thanks for listening to me. But I'd like to tell you, we would never be able to repay what you've done for us. Well, thank you. Then you wrote here, Canal wrote, uh, thank you, Chris, for, for everything uh, you're, you're doing for people all over the world. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for, for making this possible. You know, my, my students inspire me so much. And your story is so awesome. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. And congratulations, too. All right, cool. All right, next up, we have Fred, who's saying, excellent knowledge, Chris. Thank you for sharing your, your knowledge and experience. Uh, you're, you're most welcome. Thank you. It comes from a lot of failure. Like, like Michael Jordan. I failed over and over again in my career, and that, that's why I succeed. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not like Michael because I, I, I still keep failing. Yeah. Michael Jordan actually makes more money every year from endorsements than he did every penny he made for his entire basketball career. Yeah. And even if you guys aren't basketball fans, you have to watch that Netflix uh, documentary uh, called The Last Dance. Um, and there's episode seven or eight where he talks about his dad. If you don't cry, you're not a real person. Yeah. I cried. Okay. Next up, Muhammad is saying, hey, Chris, hey, uh, what do you mean or what do you think uh, will be the biggest industries in the future? In other words, what are the industries of the future? By mean, uh, by that, I mean uh, 20 or 30 years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whew. It's tough. If, if you're asking me what sectors will do exceptionally well, of course, I'll say technology. And whenever I do research on companies, I start by asking myself a question, which is, in five or 10 years, will this company... And this company's products be more relevant or less relevant, right? And that, that allows me to kind of see the forest from the trees, bird's eye view. Uh, in terms of industries, if you mean industrial companies or companies that are capex intensive, they build things. Uh, I would say automotive um, slash uh, aerospace, and I think there'll be a merger of those two. And I think that guy like guy like Elon Musk is going to find a way to make a flying Tesla uh, within 20 or 30 years. Uh, I, I do. And I think he's going to take a lot of the aerospace stuff he's learned from SpaceX, as well as the automotive awesome stuff he's learned uh, from Tesla and combine that, right? Uh, there, there, there is a plan. Yeah. Next. Oh, Manas, how are you? Manas is from, from India. Uh, and Manas published a, a couple courses on Udemy. He wrote a book, uh, which I have. He's a, a Renaissance man at the age of 20, I think, right? Yeah, it's amazing. So Manas is saying, good morning, uh, my dear mentor. Good morning to you as well, Chris, please. Hope all's well. Sorry for being a little late, and I hope you're enjoying your time. No, no, there's, there's, you, you can't be, you, there's, you can't be late for this sort of thing, but thank you. Uh, next up, we have, we have Sunder who's saying, hey, Chris, uh, best wishes for another uh, wonderful session. No question today. Uh, however, I couldn't stop myself to attend the session for a short while. Thanks for your support, advice, and guidance always. My pleasure, Sunder, and thanks for being a part of this as well. This wouldn't be possible without my students. Thank you. All right. Uh, next up, Manas is saying, first of all, thank you uh, from the depth of my heart for everything, especially the, the courses you offered us last week. Um, and, and I offered many of my courses for free. Um, it was, I think it ended yesterday or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, on, on LinkedIn. But it, got, it was crazy, like six figures downloads which is nothing compared to last year. When I offered all my courses, I had a million in one day people download, which creates a lot of um, 
a lot of work for us, but in a good way, because I mean, my, my, my support staff have to answer a lot of questions, but we're doing good things. Um, and I'd be nothing without my staff. And Manas saying, yeah, thank you for, for everything you've offered, especially the courses last week. God bless you and your family forever. Uh, thank you for everything. Thank you, Manas. I appreciate that. And Tony, if you're still on, uh, Manas is the complete opposite of that guy, Nate, that left me that, that message. Um, we're getting a good laugh out of this. Yeah, yeah. And Manas, that means that you're, you're a saint compared to the other guy. Uh, I, I get hate messages sometimes. Uh, and there's this one guy named uh, Nate that... I'm going there. I don't give a damn. Here I go. I know Tony Tony is shaking his head for this right now. I get hate messages every now and then, um, but you just got to ignore them and tell yourself that unjustified criticism is this guy's compliment. But I, I have to go there. I, I got to log into my email and I got to show you what happened, okay? Um, so here I go. I got nothing to hide, uh, but I'm going to show you. I am going to swear in a second, so cuss or earmuffs, uh, I'm, or I'm not going to swear. I'm going to search on something that is. So I got this guy. He sent me, let's see, where, where, where is he? He sent me this really, really mean uh, comment. Okay, hold on a second. Uh, I, it, it, it was really, really mean. Like, it, it was awful, okay, uh, it, what he wrote. Um, here it is. No, Nart is his name, not Nart. So this guy wrote here. Um, and I don't know what he's talking about with spamming. It's just a, a video I have for one of my courses. He wrote here, stop spamming us with this. F you and your family. What a person you are. Okay. His name is Nart Yacoub. I don't know who this guy is. Right. And I was like, oh, that's, that's not the nicest thing ever. But he made me laugh because it was like mean tweets, you know. So here's what I did. I searched for him on LinkedIn. And uh, this is Nart right here. Okay. Hey, Nart, I love you. And so I sent him a message. And um, I wrote here, Nart, I hope you're having a great day. God loves you very much. God bless you. That's what I wrote. So, Nart, you're probably not watching this. Um, this is Chris Ruin's version of, of mean tweets. Um, I got to show you what else I sent him next. This is terrible. I, I, I shouldn't. This is petty of me. It was a Sunday morning at like 2 in the morning. I shouldn't have been checking emails anyway. Uh, but I, I did a search on him. And by the way, it, I, I, on, on right here, he had contact info, right? I'm not connected with him. Even if I tried to connect, he wouldn't let me. Contact info here. Um, and this is his personal website. So I went to Nart's personal website. And when I was on his personal website... Um, what I did uh, was, uh, and he might have taken, oh, here it is. Oh, he took it down. He took it down. Yeah. Because uh, his email was there as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. He took it down. Uh, but I saw the name of the company that, that he works at here. He works at G Plus Consulting Engineers. So what I did was I got his email and I sent him an email. So let me go here and search for uh, NART. Um, let's see here. In sent. Here we go. I sent him this message. He's from Dubai, right? I said, Nart, I come to Dubai often to meet my many friends and business partners and investors there. I have a great network there. Next time I'm there, it would be my honor to buy you lunch. Thanks again. A little bit sincere, maybe. Thanks again and have a great day. Then I emailed him again. And I wrote, Nart, 
I'm so sorry to bother you again, but in your YouTube message, you mentioned my family. Have you met them? Thanks, and I'm so sorry to disturb you. Thanks. Okay? Then, I couldn't help it. I sent one last one. I'm polite, though, right? Yeah, I'm Canadian. I wrote, last message, NART. E-N-G, NART, 2002. Okay. Okay. Uh, last message, I promise. Is there a way I can also leave a public nice comment on your architecture work or G plus consulting engineers? Because I also want to leave a great comment on your work. I am so grateful that you took time out of your busy schedule to leave me that compliment. Wow. Thanks again, Nart, and God bless you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I meant that from the heart of my bottom, bottom of my heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. It happens. It happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just so you guys know that, yes, you're writing. Everyone's right. It's a nice comment here, but I, I get I get other ones as well. Yeah, yeah. But it cracked me up. And Nart, Nate, whatever your name is, you're still if you're watching, which you probably aren't. I want to thank you for making me laugh, like mean tweets. You made my day, buddy. You 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 made my day. And unjustified criticism is nothing more than a disguised compliment. So bring it on. Send me more. Thank you. All right. If my mom's watching, she's like, Chrissy, careful. Well, I've got cameras everywhere, mom. You know that. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, next up, Dario. How are you, Dario? Uh, Dario is, is from uh, Italy. Um, uh, in, in, I had a, a buddy named Dario in business school, and this was back in the 90s right after Mario 64 came out, and I remember saying, it's a me, Dario. Yeah, yeah. And Dario and I, I, I've been teasing Dario about that for ages. We, we go way back here. So Dario is saying, hi, Chris. Hope all is well. Thank you for everything you do. A big hug from Italy. A big hug right right back at you, buddy. Right back at you. Yeah. And I have my DNA sequenced. Uh, and my, my dad's from Egypt. Um, but it, it's hard to trace your your your, your lineage um, if if your dad's from Egypt. My dad's, uh, it, because what happens is your last name, or at least my dad, he's, he's Coptic, but your last name is your dad's first name. And so it's hard to, like ancestry to chase. So I have my DNA sequence and they said there's a high probability uh, that um, way, way back, I'm from the south of Italy. So Dario, your family, man. Familia, yeah. All right, next up we got uh, Manas who's saying, I just want to ask you, I'm planning to learn game development this year, especially 3D games uh, that you're learning too. Oh, awesome, awesome, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, the best way to do that um, is uh, there's there's you can take courses on on Udemy. Um, I'm not sponsored by Udemy at all. If my courses suck, most of which do, many do, um, they, they don't sell. But there's a guy there named uh, Tristan. Um, he's from England. Good dude. Um, he gave me a bunch of video game recommendations that, that I played. I met him had had lunch with them a couple of years ago here in San Francisco. But he teaches Unity uh, in game development. So check out his courses, Tristan. Good dude. Um, he's a straight shooter too. That's, that's why I like him. There's yeah. All right. Uh, ne next up, no, not from a gaming perspective. He's just very open. Yeah. All right. Next up, um, and Nart, if you're out there, I want to give you a big hug as well, but I want to give Dario a bigger hug. Yeah. Yeah. And Nart, when I hug you, I'm going to hug you so hard, man. It's going to crush all your ribs. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I love you. And I mean that from the heart of my bottom. Yeah. All right. Um, and Manas wrote, Warren Buffett said, I don't know where cryptos are going, 
but I think the end will be disastrous. Uh, do you agree with this one? Uh, if yes, why? And no, why? Yeah. So I agree that um, with him, with a, with most, most cryptos, I, I create a very, very comprehensive course on cryptocurrencies. And I have a more recent version as part of my MBA curriculum. You can check out the courses here at this, this link here. Um, but when I researched cryptocurrencies, when I first started making that course, and I worked day and night for six months on it, um, and I, I looked at it from a finance tech perspective, which is my background. When I first started, I was positive on crypto, seven out of 10. By the end of the course, I was three out of 10. Why? Because based on my due diligence and research, most cryptocurrencies are an absolute scam. And I think that when the market gets regulated, and it will eventually, that a lot of people are going to go to jail for scamming people, especially on YouTube. Like, dude, there are YouTubers out there that will tell you what cryptos to buy. Then you'll buy it. Then they'll, they'll sell it and they'll tell everyone why you got to sell it. Then they'll tell you to buy it again, rinse, ladder, repeat. Um, yeah. So there are, there are a bunch of cryptos which are wonderful investments. I, I've invested in a bunch of them. I'll never sell them. But most are, are, are a scam. You, you got to do your research first. And I did such thorough research in that course of mine, the complete cryptocurrency course, um, that what happened was I hired somebody to double check it, right? And I don't mess around. Like when I make courses, like a lot of the courses I make, you know, I can spend like 100 grand making them, right? So I went all out. I hired this guy. And what happened was the NSA knocked on my door. And this is after the course got published. I was like, oh my God, that's kind of scary. The NSA is knocking on my door. What does that mean? I let the guy in. I was very, very nice to him because I was terrified. I didn't have diapers available, but if I did, I would have put one on. And we sat down on the couch and I was drinking my, my, my coffee. And I remember I was kind of shaking a bit on the, yeah, I gave, yeah. He was just doing a background check on one of the guys. I'll never name who the guy was, but he's doing a background check on one of the guys that I'd hired. He didn't say why. But I'm pretty sure it's because um, he was looking to hire that person. Because this guy is a, a cryptography expert. Yeah. But I did a ton of work on it. Yeah. But I spent a lot in my courses. Right? But but the way I look at it is I... And I reinvest a lot of what I make. Um, selling stuff online, Udemy, elsewhere, etc. Um, and so when I do it, um, I always look longer term at discounted cash flow. I mean, how much money can I make from this course longer term? It's a big, that's why I go to Prague to, to make all those trailers, which was at the beginning of today's webcast. Go back to the beginning. You'll see me in Prague and stuff. Um, that's the trailer I opened up today's webcast with, um, because I, I invest long term. I look at the lifetime value of each course. I'm long-term greedy. Um, and for this, the MBA degree program, I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, already. And I'm going to spend much, much more. Uh, it's now profitable. It's doing well. Um, it's making more than my other course called an entire MBA in one course, I'm humbled to say. And to learn more about it, uh, you can go to this link right here. Yeah. All right. All right. Next up, uh, Manas is saying, just a suggestion for you. Uh, please don't feel offended. Uh, I suggest that you might have higher amounts uh, on the MBA subscription if you follow the Netflix formula, uh, meaning a monthly subscription. Yeah, so I'm, ex no, thank you. No, I appreciate that. Um, and, so what I'm doing is I'm experimenting. Um, I experiment a lot. I take a lot of risks. Um, uh, and so if you go to, um, let me go here just to uh, private mode. But if you go to the, the, the web address down there, it's learn.haroonventures.com. And what Manasseh is referring to is, um, and this is the, 
the NBA program you start today. These are other ones for next 2022. We're sold out for this year. So if anybody wants to join this year, it's sold out. I'm sorry. Um, but these are my courses here. And at the very bottom, I added something new, uh, which is called an all-access subscription package. Um, and it's 20 cents per hour of content. There's 500 hours. Um, and it's uh, it's $99 uh, per month. Um, and I'm not going to cut the price on this. And, and I'll tell you why on, on this one. Um, because there's no refund policy. Every other course I have and every program I have, everything has 100%, uh, you know, and some of my courses are only available in this. Everything else I sell has 100% money back guarantee. Um, and this one here, actually, what I did is you can actually, you, you can finance it if, if you want to now. It's new. Um, and you can always scroll through this to see what the curriculum is. But um, I've got... 999 30 day money back guarantee and what's new is that for us customers you can pay using paypal credit meaning there's no payment or interest for six months if you select paypal at, at checkout yeah uh, and that's new i also added this um this here is three payments of 349 um and all, always 30 day money back guarantee however when it comes to this subscription product here there's no money back guarantee and you get 22 of my courses and the MBA program as well. There's no money back guarantee uh, on this one. And I kept it at 99 bucks per month. Um, it, it's, yeah, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, and and, and the, the, the everything you buy here that's included um, has original price of, of, of that. And I give you a couple courses that are only included um, in, uh, in this one as, as well. Yeah, so anyway. And if anybody has questions, you know, let, let, let me know, please. All right, where was I? Here we go. All right. All right, next up, uh, uh, Munalula is saying, uh, what activities uh, can an investment company undertake? Uh, I'm in your business plan course on Udemy. I'm intending to order your financial analyst and investment course. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it all depends. When you raise money, okay, when you have an investment firm, um, do not do it without talking to a lawyer first because the lawyer has to create an offering memorandum. Kind of like before you invest in an IPO, you can read the IPO prospectus or S1. You know, Don't ever invest in anything uh, and never raise money without having investment offering first. Meaning talk to a lawyer because there's many other documents that the lawyer might need to create, including subscription documents. And you have to set up what's called a master feeder structure, which I've done before for my hedge fund, if you want to have investors overseas instead of an offshore bank, which is what I did as well. So definitely talk to a lawyer first, please, please. They'll create all the legal paperwork for you. It will keep you and your family out of trouble as well, just in case, God forbid, somebody sues. You know, And when you get really successful, people will come after you. They always do. They always do. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> all right. Uh, next up, uh, Tony Two Times. I uh, wrote, uh, hi, Chris, thanks for answering my earlier questions. Uh, now, assume that the RRSP uh, and TFSA uh, both, uh, and what Tony's referring to is retirement savings program and um, educational savings account, I think, also uh, in Canada. Uh, and every country pretty much has a retirement savings account program and educational savings account program as well. What that means is you can put money into those two investment vehicles and have it grow tax-free. And when you need the money, you take it out, then you pay tax. It's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Um, if anybody has questions about 
about that in more detail, let me know. Um, if, if you're not doing this, if you have the means to do it, if you're not saving money as part of a tax shelter that's government offered like the 401k in the US or RSP in Canada or super in Australia, if you're not doing it, you're flushing money down the toilet, if you can do it. Yeah. All right. So, um, and then you wrote here, uh, I've maxed out for the year and I have a hundred thousand uh, Canadian. Awesome. Left sitting in cash and I don't want to buy real estate. Uh, what can I do with this money? Buy bonds? Uh, or uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. Cash is trash. Yeah. So what I recommend doing is, um, Tony, you can take my my <coughs> MBA degree program or one of my, my finance courses, personal finance course, et cetera, uh, at this web address. Um, and then um, it'll tell you exactly how to think about portfolio diversification. I'll never tell you what stocks to buy, but I'll tell you how to think about it in terms of not having more than 5% of that liquid 100K net worth uh, uh, sitting, in, uh, never have more than 5% in one particular stock, but I'll tell you how to uh, think about dividing up between stocks, bonds, or, uh, commodities, and other investment classes. Maybe a little bit of that is cryptos, a little bit. Um, I don't like buying cryptos when everybody else is. I like to buy when everyone's freaking out. Because if you buy stocks or any investment class when everybody else already owns or everyone loves it, there's not that many new investors to push it higher. I love to buy when there's blood in the streets. I love to buy when it feels really, really uncomfortable. That's when you buy. Like for those of you that, that bought your house, if it felt really uncomfortable, you did it. Aren't you glad you did it? Yeah. You're probably wishing you bought a little bit more house too. All right. Um, and Manas wrote, thanks again for everything. And just a quote for you this week, uh, world peace uh, begins with inner peace from the Dalai Lama. Yeah, peace begins from within. I love it. And uh, yeah, Mother Teresa said, peace begins with a smile. Yeah. Uh, and thank you for all those wonderful emojis. Uh, next up, we have uh, Hassan. Hassan is saying, good morning, Chris. Good morning. Uh, do you think that investment wanking, banking uh, is still an industry worth getting into? Uh, my passion is in, is in finance and I want to go into investment banking after I, I graduate, but I'm afraid I won't find a job, especially now that the future economy and the finance sector in general is not very good. Uh, what recommendations do you have? Yeah, yeah. So I would say um, be careful with banking. Um, a lot of people want to become a, an investment banker for, for the wrong reasons. Um, because you, you can make a lot of money, whatever it is. But the, the harsh reality is that um, your buddies make just as much as you do on an hourly basis if you're a banker. You work crazy hours, you sacrifice your health, uh, which means you'll sacrifice your wealth one day because of that. Um, you know, you, you don't have time for your friends, etc. It sucks. Um, just understand why you want to be an investment banker. Understand why. That goes for all jobs for anybody out there. Or all careers before asking yourself how do i get into the sector ask yourself why why do i want to be in that sector if it's just about money and i get it early in our careers we have to chase money i get it but sometimes one point you one point you got to get to you got to get to a point in your life where you say enough is enough um i want to chase my dreams because if you chase money you'll lose your dreams and your money but if you chase your dreams and don't give a damn what anybody thinks and you fail a lot please fail a lot, then something wonderful happens. Your dreams come true and the money follows accidentally. It always does. I don't care what anybody else tells you. It always does. So just 
ask yourself why you want to do that. Because I don't remember ever meeting any investment banker friends of mine that liked what they were doing. Yeah. All right. Next up, uh, we've got uh, Vicky. Hey, Vicky. Uh, hi, Chris. Thank you for your advice. My name is Vicky, uh, and I am uh, Anthony's friend uh, with, with the money to figure out. Oh, awesome. Okay, great. Excellent. And congratulations on selling your, your house. Yeah, yeah. And then you wrote, I'm a student, actually, uh, and I have no idea uh, where I'll be living after university. After I max out my uh, TFSA, uh, do you recommend bonds or buying um, a place to rent uh, out to others? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I recommend always being diversified. So if you want, you can take my complete personal finance course at this address here or my, my MBA degree program as well. Um, and I go into a lot more detail on, on diversification. Yeah. But I love the idea of buying a place to rent out to others. We, we bought a building, um, Christine, my wife and I, um, in London, Ontario. You know where that is, of course, you're from Ontario. Um, right by University of Western Ontario. And the, all the students that pay rent and all the rooms and stuff more than pays off the, the mortgage on, on a monthly basis. Yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, Raphael is one of my MBA degree students. Hey, Raph, hope you know well, dude. Uh, Raph is saying, uh, Chris Pab. Uh, is in the, the, the lower middle baseball picture frame behind you. Let's see, where, where is that? And so what, what he's referring to is, with, with my MBA students, what we do for fun is, um, during class, I always had, hide uh, Pablo Picasso in, in a different location. Uh, and then students try, it's like, where, where's Waldo? Let me see, where, where is it there? How'd you find him? You said it's in the, and I did this last night. The picture frame behind me, maybe it's this angle. Yes, you got it. Right there, yes, yes. That's him on top of, of Cal Ripken's rookie card there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Pablo Picasso who had a, another, a number of wonderful quotes. And there's another Picasso hiding somewhere. There's always two of them, two of them. Yeah, yeah, see if you can find the other one as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, all right, cool. All right, and, and then uh, here's Michael, Michael Reynolds' comments, which I read earlier on, Michael. Thank you so much, buddy. All right, uh, Jack, I love your, your GameStock uh, mention there. I mean, it's a play on GameStock, ticker GME. Next up, we got HRJ Guide 50 who's saying, uh, Hi, Chris from Ireland. I hope you're doing well. The reason I have green eyes, actually, is because my, my mom's mother, uh, God bless her, she's watching now. I miss you, Grandma. I love you. Um, she's part Irish. That's why I'm Catholic, and that's, I have green eyes now. Um, and grandma, I miss you. I love you. And thank you for the wonderful green eyes. However, it doesn't help because with green screen, my eyes get messed up, but I still miss you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. Hi, Chris from Ireland. I've done two of your courses on Udemy and I just want to say thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I gave a, a TEDx talk, um, and, and I wrote the speech actually in, in Ireland. And I have a nice shout out to Ireland uh, at the end of my TEDx talk. You can go to my YouTube page or search for online. You'll see. Okay. Beautiful country. Hisham in the house. How are you? <clears throat> so Hisham is, um, was one of my, he's a good dude. Hey, Hisham. Um, one of my students at San Francisco State uh, year, years ago. Uh, and he's also, um, I also hired him. 
he's doing some 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 work with us here he, he, he's great he's great so hope you're doing well buddy yeah yeah he always used to sit front row on the right side i remember that back in 2016 yeah 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 so here's what i'm saying good morning chris uh so this gamestop frenzy the south sea bubble or tulip mania or something totally unprecedented thanks yeah yeah yeah, so, so what, uh, and what Hisham is referring to is there's always been bubbles um, since the beginning of time, uh, meaning markets go up a little bit too much. And so uh, one was uh, with, with tulip, tulip uh, um, uh, uh, seeds or bulbs, tulip bulbs, I think, yeah, yeah. Um, that, that, that was another bubble uh, that occurred in, in, in Europe hundreds of years ago. Yeah, uh, I think this is more of a, for now it's a one-off, um, it's it's a bunch of people on, on Reddit giving their opinion that, that drove the stock up, um, and and if if they're watching um, or if anybody's thinking of doing something like this, just just be careful. Um, if if it's real investment advice, it's, it's awesome, but just be careful because um, it, if you hype up something and it goes up and you transact the the SEC Securities and Exchange Commission, which is a government entity in the United States, you can go to sec.gov to learn more. Um, they, they might ask some questions. Just, I say it with love my heart. Yeah. All right. And then HRJ guide 50 from Ireland is saying, I also want to ask you, what do you think about changing careers at 28 with no experience? Oh, dude, you're preaching. the I love this because this is me. Um, I, I changed careers multiple times in my, my, my twenties, thirties, forties. Anybody can do it. Um, you're, you're never too young or too old to start over. Um, best thing I can recommend to you uh, is take my complete job course at this link here or sign up for my, my MBA degree program uh, at this link here. It's the first image that comes up, first icon, where I go into much more detail about networking and how to get the job of your dreams and reinventing yourself. Yeah. Okay. And read my, my networking book. You can get it at my website, haroonventures.com. That, that'll help you out a lot as, as, as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. All right, uh, ne next up, a uh, question from uh, Naveed. He's saying, hey, Chris, I did download your free course and donate to your local charity. Thanks for providing free resources. Thank you so much for, for doing that. Thank you so much. Um, that, 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 that means a lot. So w w what I did was um, I uh, on LinkedIn, I, I shared... 10 courses I was giving away for free. Uh, and all I did was I said, you can download it for free. However, I ask you, um, please donate uh, to your local COVID uh, relief uh, charities or uh, UNICEF. And I provided a link there for, for kids that, yeah. Um, and, and a lot of people donated. They, they told me, which is great. Thank you for that. Thank you. God, God bless you. God bless you. Yeah, yeah. And if there was a way to, to channel money directly from you to me to, to causes like that, I, I would do it in a heartbeat. And eBay's been doing that for, for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I figure just asking people to do it and giving away my free courses is, yeah, good way to do it, yeah. Mm. All right, next up we've got uh, uh, Gary. Hey, Gary. Uh, great, he wrote great spelling of color. That's right, I spelled it with a U. Represent, that's, that's how Canadians spell it. Any Americans watching, color has a unit, okay? It just does. It's couleur, yeah. So Gary wrote, uh, great spelling of color. I, I missed the start, but will definitely be re-watching for anything I've missed uh, as this video is quickly becoming a highlight of my week. Uh, thanks a million. And you have a, a, the, my favorite icon there ever, this one here. Same to you. Namaste, God bless you, and all that great stuff. Thank you. 
week 122. I can't believe it. And we're pushing the goalpost out. What I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be building out um, a studio here. Um, so we, we did the NBA thing. I've, I've done the stuff. The, the content's been created, and I'll keep running it. But on Wednesdays and Fridays, at some point, I'm going to be launching um, a television studio here, uh, interviewing people, doing my analysis on companies, real-time stuff. It's John Oliver meets CNBC without the hyper-caffeinated by the stock sort of thing. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, Naman is saying, uh, can you give your Udemy course uh, all in one MBA course for, for free as well? Um, sure. I'll, I'll do another one at some point. At some point. Yeah. Um. All right, uh, next up, uh, Vipul is saying, uh, good morning, Chris. Hope all is well, likewise. Mina in the house. Uh, Mina is, uh, Vipul, thank you. Uh, Mina is one of my amazing uh, MBA degree uh, uh, students. Um, she, she lives in Cyprus. She's from Greece originally. She grew up in the mountains there in Greece. Um, and she, um, she works at Ryanair, which is a great discount carrier uh, in Europe. Um, and she's an avid video gamer. Uh, and she has a, a new puppy that's adorable, very cute, and a stray cat she found on the street recently. Let, let the stray cat in. She's dope. She's cool. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Amr is saying, Chris, uh, you always assure uh, that trading is a scam, uh, but how do banks trade? No, no, okay, no, no. So when, I, when you trade something for something else, that's not a scam. Um, and I, I don't say it's a scam per se. I say you can't make money doing that. But if you're going to convert Canadian dollars to American dollars, so you're going on a trip, that's that's a trade, but that's not a scam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you wrote here, how do banks trade? Yeah. Um, there is a profession called FX trader at banks who is, who is trading using the bank's or client's money. How do you explain that? Yes. Okay. Thank you for that. What that trader is doing quite often, there's two types. There's a trader and a sales trader. The sales trader is actually making a market and helping big mutual fund and hedge fund clients and high net worth investor clients to be able to sell their positions to another client that the firm has or another prime brokerage firm might have. And they make money off of that because they make a commission. Okay. So they, they're, they're a market maker. Okay. It's kind of like, like eBay takes fees from people that buy and sell stuff. That's the role of the bank there, okay? Sometimes they do have proprietary traders that will trade um, some of the firm's capital, but they don't really make money unless they have a fat finger and they hit an extra zero by accident, right? That um, happens. It happens. You only hear about the ones where they hit the extra zero by accident with a fat finger uh, and make a firm go bankrupt, like with bearings, the bank, uh, or, or with... Um, you, 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 UBS has had it recently as well. Um, but if you don't hear about that, about a company losing billion dollars because of fat finger trade, it's because that person probably got a promotion for making that mistake. Yeah. Just kidding. Sort of. Not really. All right. But bank, all big companies, like they need to have, they need to hedge currencies. They have to. So, for example, SAP, a great big German software company uh, located in Waldorf, close to Frankfurt, they, they have a lot of money they make in American dollars, but they report their earnings in euros. And so they need to hedge their exposure to U.S. dollars. 
And so they'll set up a hedge tran transaction through a bank, as, per your example here. Yeah. And the same thing with, with companies that are very much exposed to commodities like airlines. Okay. All right. Cole is saying, hey, Chris, um, what series exams or certifications would you recommend have the best chance of getting a job in the investment banking world? Yeah. I mean, once you get a job there, they're going to make you take the Series 7 anyway. Right. So, yeah. Like anybody that joins, um, or actually on the trading side, sales and trading side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but if you need to, if you want to get some sort of professional certification in general, an MBA is not a professional degree. It's not it's not like a like a medical degree. Um, but uh, if you need if you want to get some sort of finance certification, um, you can get what's called the CFA, which means Certified Financial Analyst. It takes you three years to get it, and you write just three exams at night or or on a Saturday, I should say, uh, over three years, and you study at night or in the morning at home. Okay, uh, and next up, Fortune Blueprint said, thank you, you're, you're most welcome. All right, cool. Uh, and then let, let me scroll down here. All right, um, next up, uh, Vipolo is saying, how do you manage everything on time? Uh, what do you do if you're not able to complete certain tasks on time? Yeah, so I, I have a, a, a system um, th that I use. Um, give me a second here. So... The system that I use, um, in you can go to my website to download something similar to what I'm, I'm telling you about. Um, I'll give you the web address in a second. But the system that I, that I do, and I provide this for my my, uh, my my MBA degree program students too, is I write down um, everything that I'm going to do the next day, the night before. Okay, um, and then I, I put it by my sink, so it's the first thing I see in the morning. Um, because failing to plan is planning to fail. And if you want to get something done, you give it to a busy person. So this is a system I use. And I provide my MBA degree students this as well. And you can learn more about my MBA degree at this link here. Uh, but, but basically, I, I, I write down all my daily goals uh, on the schedule here. And before I make the next days, what I do is I score myself as well. So it's, it's a little bit subjective. Uh, but it, it looks like this here. And hopefully autofocus or it's got face detection maybe that's why yeah i have problems with this camera yeah yeah but anyway it looks something like like this all my mba degree students uh, get it um i give it to you in one note format pdf powerpoint i leave off tons of different formats uh for you to do this yeah now in terms of where to get something similar to that to that like a, a slim down version of that a non-premium version a free version um, what you can do is you can go to uh, my website, which is um, haroonventures.com. Um, and then when you're here, just do slash and then write schedule, all lowercase. Schedule, as the Brits call it. There you go. And then you can download uh, the, 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 the schedule here. Uh, and this is more of a, this is a small, much smaller version uh, of this uh, is, is, as well. Uh, and I've got it on another window. Give me a second to rearrange this i've got six 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 monitors now to manage everything yeah so this is it here so uh and then it's in powerpoint it'll open up in google slides too i wrote please note this is just how i do it you you set this up your own way as well if you want yeah and if you have questions about that please let me know thanks as always 
All right. Okay. Next up, uh, Mahil is saying Robinhood and other tr uh, other trading uh, platforms platforms have been uh, restricting trading of of Game uh, GameStop, uh, Bed Bath and Beyond, uh, and some other stocks. Uh, how is it fair to retail investors? Uh, what is the SEC's role on this? What are your thoughts? Think. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, whenever there's a lot of uh, manipulation going on, uh, what happens is websites they feel that they protect you by regulating their platform twitter has done this recently i'm not going to go there you know what happened same thing with with, with facebook well never trust um and, and the same thing is happening with um it, one of the reasons why facebook banned a certain politician um was well, one of the many reasons is because they were Facebook's not been the most ethical company. And Robinhood also, um, I'm not saying they're unethical. I think they are ethical. But they got into hot water on some issue, whatever. And so they're great corporate citizens now. Um, so, yeah. But but I, I think what's going to happen is that um, the SEC is going to crack down a lot more as well. Um, anytime you manipulate stocks, um, the SEC... Their, their job or part of their job is to make sure it's a fair market for everybody. Um, they'll do a crackdown and because everything is digital now they'll, they'll, they'll find people. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think they will crack down a lot. Yeah. All right. I smiled though. Cause every time I see that best bed, bath and beyond the ticker there, I always think of, uh, the movie old school uh, with Will Ferrell. Um, uh, when he's downing that, okay, you can watch, Watch the movie if you want. I'm not going to go there. I got to keep it G here. All right, next. Oh, Greg, how are you? Uh, Greg said, uh, would uh, visualizing sales growth uh, with log plots be useful to see slowing growth? Yeah, I, well, I think that, yeah, and, and you're looking at the derivative calculus. Um, I, I think so. I think so. Um, every publicly traded company has revenue growth that's growing but is slowing. Everyone, without almost without exception, that's right. When revenue growth is is accelerating, companies stay private. Venture capital loves them. Once revenue growth is positive but slowing a bit, then what happens is uh, the Sand Hill Road venture capitalists hand it off to their investment wanking banking friends uh, in New York and take company public. So publicly traded companies always have revenue growth that's slowing, unless they make an acquisition, in which case that's not real revenue growth. That's not organic revenue. Yeah, uh, but, but I think if you were able to to show it with, with a log plot, that'd be helpful. And I chart that as well uh, quite often with Spark charts. Um, within my financial models, I provide my, my, uh, my, my students at my courses. Okay. All right. Uh, and then uh, EMU Killer uh, said, uh, uh, sorry, I just stepped in. Have you spoken about what's been going on with Reddit and GameStop? I did earlier. Yeah. All right, uh, next up, Dennis is saying, hey, Chris, what are your top 10 best finance and personal development books uh, you've ever read? Yeah, it's hard when it, personal growth is easy. Finance is tough because a lot of the finance books are theoretical crap. Like you don't learn how to become an amazing investor or business person by reading a textbook. 
It's real life practical experience. And I made a career off of that uh, as well. In fact, e even this, this book here, it's called 101 Crucial Lessons They Don't Teach You in, in Business School, right? So I'm, I'm all about theory, uh, it, it, or I'm all, <laughs> I'm all about uh, double standards. No, I'm, I'm all about uh, real life practical experience and not theory. Um, so it's harder for me for finance. But in terms of finance books in general, um, I guess The Intelligent Investor, um, which is Warren Buffett's favorite book, it is a little bit dry to be intellectually honest. If you have to read a finance book, um, then you could read a book by a finance textbook by uh, Damodorian, who's an amazing finance professor. He's a rock star at NYU. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I don't really have anything that, that could suggest that's helpful. Uh, in terms of personal growth, um, there's plenty. You know, uh, Awaken the Giant Within by, by Tony Robbins. Uh, my, my favorite one is definitely um, uh, uh, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. That's a great one. Everyone has to read that book. That's homework. That's shukudai for those of you in, in Japan. Homework for everybody. Read uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Listen to the audio book. I promise you it's very, very helpful. Tells you how to deal with people in business. And human relationships haven't changed since the 1930s when he wrote that book. He also has another great book uh, called uh, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. And he talks about, Dale Carnegie, talks about how to live in what are called day-tight compartments. Take each day at a time. Smell the roses. Don't worry about the past. You can't control it. The future, you can sort of control it, but not really. Yeah. So that's a great book. Again, it's called How to, um, it's called, uh, uh, how to Stop Worrying and Start Living. Um, aside from that, um, I mean, anything Tony Robbins has written. So those are the other 10, I guess. He's a genius. He's, he's a good human being. Yeah. Okay. All right. And let me go down here on the list here. We got, and we got about 15 minutes left. So for those of you that, if I don't answer your question, I'm so sorry. Um, but you, you can copy and ask me again next week or any week. Um, if you're in my MBA degree program, um, you, we've got uh, we got the one on or we got uh, um, the MBA office hours at eleven twenty today, um, and then after that we've got five or six one on ones with my, my platinum students. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, next up, Manas is saying uh, that's a genius move. Uh, I just remember uh, this Nart is is an angel. Why? Oh, that's right. Earl, if you're just joining us, Nart. Um, uh, who's one of my favorite people, he, he sent me some hate messages and I showed you it and all that stuff as well. Uh, but you wrote, uh, that's a genius move. Just remember that this Nart is an angel. Why? Because he is not as great as you are. Oh, no, thank you. No, no, no. Uh, and you wrote, I receive hundreds of mean comments from everywhere, but I reply, you're the creator of your own destiny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel sorry for him. Yeah, that poor guy. Yeah, Nart. Nart, Nate, Nart. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, uh, next up, uh, Raph. Oh, good. Raph got Pabs too. So I got two Pablo Picasso characters always hiding here. It's fun. It's like, where, where's Waldo? Um, I do this with, with my MBA degree students. I, I kept them up, though. Um, and so one of them, um, uh, Raphael, who's one of my MBA students, uh, found there. And he just found the other one, which is right here, up here. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. My, 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 my kids have a little brother in me, too. It makes it fun. We have a lot of fun. Having kids is fun. All right. Um, 
Next up, a uh, question is from Hossam, who's saying, Hi, Chris. Uh, what course or book do you recommend uh, for someone who'd like to start a technology consulting business? Thanks. Yeah. So I, I would recommend, um, there, there's a lot of guides that you can use to learn how to get a job at McKinsey or Accenture. Um, and hear me out in this. Um, and they're good to read because it'll tell you how those companies approach their businesses, how each day is structured. And so what I recommend doing is go to a website called vault.com, okay? And, and anybody looking to get a job as well in a consulting firm or, or a bank or whatever it is, I recommend you buy guides from this website too, PDFs. I don't get comped by anybody you know that. Um, so what I would do is go over to consulting, okay? Um, and then I would read here on the top 50 management consulting firms, okay? R right here. It'll, it'll, it'll teach you a lot about uh, the consulting sector uh, in general. And if you want to understand what, what a day in the life is like, you can read this book as well, uh, The Guide to Consulting Jobs. Um, in terms of understanding how to prepare for this uh, consulting career, I think what's important is that um, I pride myself on, on providing my students with a ton of frameworks uh, to use as crutches, so to speak, uh, in order to uh, in order to answer any kind of business question from clients, for example. Uh, and so, uh, I recommend taking my my, uh, my my MBA degree program at this web link here, um, because I think that will help you out tremendously. And I provide you with tons of frameworks, tons of frameworks that you can definitely use in the consulting industry. Uh, I spent four years working in the consulting sector as well. All right. Uh, next up, we have uh, Ahmed who's saying, hey, Chris, um, uh, what do you think of the hedge fund squeezes happening at GameStop? Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, and I, and I, mentioned, I talked about this earlier, and I agree with you. It's, it's interesting to see, you wrote here, retail investors beating hedge fund managers. They've been beating them for years. Yeah, yeah. So 90% um, of mutual funds and hedge funds underperform um, the, uh, the S&P 500. Um, and hedge funds too. A lot of times, hedge funds' job is not to not to just not to beat the the indexes, but to preserve capital, because a lot of very wealthy people that invest in hedge funds, they're interested in the following two things in this order: number one, capital preservation; number two, capital preservation, and then maybe number three, capital appreciation. But that's that's what what hedge funds are all about: is preser pre pre preserving capital. So if we have a bad year, they can make you lose less or maybe make a bit of money, whatever. If you think about it, the word hedge, uh, it, it, it's, it's like in your backyard. You have a hedge around your backyard um, that protects your backyard, which is kind of a euphemism for protecting capital. Okay. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Tony uh, is saying, hi again, Chris. Hey, man. Uh, I, I've been selling stuff on eBay. Awesome. I do that too. Uh, just things around the house that I don't need, like old cell phones, etc. However, I feel eBay's fees have been super high. Uh, any tips to reduce their fees? It's hard. It's hard. They, they kind of have a monopoly uh, on the industry. It's really, really tough. And I've noticed a lot of Canadians um, have been selling PS5s um, over the past one or two months as well. And even with, uh, with shipping from Canada, it's very profitable for, for them. Um, so it, it's hard. There, there's, I, I know that other people might list other platforms to sell on here, but they, they really have monopoly and monopolies are lazy and they don't innovate. 
And because of that, it, it's bad for the consumer. Competition's good for consumers. That's why governments break up monopolies. Yeah. But good for you for selling stuff that's sitting around the house at home because those are all depreciating assets anyway. Yeah. It's like a video game. Once you finish a video game, you got to sell it fast, man, on eBay. And I've sold tons of games on eBay. I have over 500 ratings on eBay. I've been doing it since 1998. One of my first days at Goldman Sachs, uh, Goldman did the IPO. I remember I was there on, on eBay. It was a pretty exciting day. Um, so I've been, I've been using it for, for a while, but yeah, you got to sell your video games the second you're done playing them because they depreciate by like five or 10 bucks every month. Yeah. And eBay is a great place to sell them. Or you can do it on, on, you can do a trade in on Amazon as well. Uh, Amazon.com has it. Not sure if they do with Amazon.ca in Canada. They probably do, uh, where you can trade in your stuff, your games, for example, and your cell phones, uh, anything really. Um, and then you'll get credit store credit or you can take it to GameStop for store credit as well even cell phones um yeah although they they don't offer the best prices yeah and Pratik is saying hey Chris have a nice day thank you you too thank you um and Pratik's one of my, my wonderful um uh, MBA students too uh, and then Pratik, Pratik wrote, I, I almost forgot that today is your webcast. I thought it was Wednesday. No, 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 no all good, man. And we have our MBA, uh, MBA students only office hours. Sorry, 1120 today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Uh, and then Tony uh, two times is saying uh, another question. Uh, I remember you saying something about searching uh, for items on eBay with the wrong spelling. Can you remind us what that was? Yeah, absolutely. So there, there's something in business called game theory, which economists talk about. And, and all that means is it's like playing chess. You're, you're thinking one, two, or three moves ahead of the competition. Uh, and so what I do on, on eBay uh, sometimes uh, is I'll search for things and I'll spell it wrong. Uh, and Tony, because you're from Canada, you, you'll, you'll love this example. So uh, what I do is I search for Wayne Gretzky rookie cards, which are worth a lot of money if you can get them in good condition. Um, but I spell Gretzky with an S, S-K-Y, instead of Z-K-Y. You like how that was Canadian pronunciation of Z, right? Or, yeah, the way you say it. Um, uh, and sometimes I find cards, sometimes I don't. But what I did with the Nintendo Switch when it first came out, my, 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 my kids, and only my kids wanted it. What, what I did was it, was, it was sold out everywhere and the prices were, were insanely high. Um, so, so what I actually ended up doing was I searched on Nintendo. T-O at the end instead of D-O at the end, switch. And I was able to buy it for a decent price. Decent price. And that's called game theory. Yeah. And believe me, I tried with PS5. It didn't work. Yeah. All right. All right. Next up, uh, Hidiat is saying, uh, hey, Chris, uh, would you recommend how to maximize your potential to become an impactful leader uh, in your passion that you pursue? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... Leaders are readers. I would read everything you can on a certain topic that you're most passionate about. And then I'd become a thought leader, so to speak, uh, in terms of opining or giving your opinion on social media platforms. Uh, and so uh, write a lot uh, on LinkedIn, release articles on LinkedIn, <clears throat> repurpose your articles by, by vlogging uh, as well, like, like I do if you want to. Uh, and just talk a lot about what you're most passionate about. You know, maybe you write, write a book as well about what you're most passionate about. And eventually people will, will think of you as a thought leader, right? It, it's self-fulfilling. I think therefore I am like the Rodin sculpture. So if you write a lot about, <coughs> pardon me, what you're most passionate about and, and you, <coughs> <coughs> 
I'm okay. Uh, if, if you write about it um, a lot on LinkedIn and you publish a lot, people will eventually come to you for it. Uh, for, for thoughts on that topic. You'll get interviews with the media, etc. And you can also write a book. And, and so I'm gonna, I'll give you guys all a template. Many of, you, many of you have written a book using this template. Um, and so this costs you nothing to write a book, by the way. Uh, and, and I have one pages of instruction to tell you how to do it uh, for print, Kindle, as well as Audible, meaning acx.com's website. And the way to write a book, uh, you can get my, my template here, is you go to uh, my, my website uh, right here, okay? Um, and then what you do is um, slash all lowercase write book. See there? All lowercase. And then you download this template here. Um, and it's just showing you a preview here in Dropbox, but, but you can download the, uh, this in Microsoft Word format right here. And I have one, pages on, one page on telling you the instructions, cost you nothing. Um, and then here is the outline of the book. And all you do is you fill in the blanks. You make a great dedication, like I did to my mom and dad, who gave me the faith and confidence to know in my heart that you can accomplish anything in life. It's pretty dope, eh? It's cool. Um, and then what you do is you right-click on the table of contents to update the book and just read, again, the first page for, for details on exactly how to publish your book. You become a thought leader. You write your book. This is exactly what I did. It works. I wrote this book here. I have 101 chapters. They're, they're really, really short. After I meet somebody successful, I always ask them for their advice. And I pride myself on teaching uh, practical stuff, not theoretical stuff. Then what I did was I gutted this book. What does that mean? Well, I took a chapter each week for, I guess, close to two years, whatever it is, something like that. And I wrote an article about it or just pasted, copied and pasted these short articles uh, into, into, into LinkedIn. And then eventually I made, made vlogs about it on YouTube. I repurposed content, which works really, really well. Nintendo's been doing it for decades. They take their old content, their old 16-bit or 8-bit Mario games, and they repurpose them, release them on new platforms. It helps you to work smarter, not harder, by repurposing content. All right. Dude, I suck at this water thing. I'm such a hypocrite. I started this webcast three hours ago talking about how I drink water. Have you seen me take a sip at all? It's ridiculous. Yeah. But when one teaches, two learn. Okay, and, and I got to wrap this up in a second here. I got to jump to my, my MBA students call. Um... All right, next up, uh, Manas wrote, uh, good night, everyone from India. Uh, see, see you next week. And I, I love your emoji there. God bless you, brother. Always great to see you. Uh, Pratik uh, is, is saying bye to Manas as well. Okay, uh, ne next up, uh, Mina is saying, I'm back after an accidental and passive shower. Yeah, you fell, you fell into the shower? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and then you wrote, I, I spoke with the headhunter but ended up declining the job offer. Okay, we talked about it. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. And I think they wanted somebody who spoke French too, you mentioned as well. And you can actually help the headhunter out um, by by recommending somebody for them. You know, it's it's this whole, the whole notion of, of, of giving uh, in business, you know, give and take, like that great book by Adam Grant. I had to look at his name. Uh, but but if, you, if you give, give, give and help headhunters and others in business, it's, it'll come back to help you in the long run. Give and you'll receive. It's prophetic. It's been true since the beginning of time. All right. 
Okay. Uh, and then we have uh, another Pratik here. Pratik Smart is saying Dale Carnegie has a book on public speaking as well. Uh, it's a great book. Please check it out. Yeah, yeah. And I took his course as well on, on public speaking, um, w which is fantastic. Or you can just do a search on meetup.com on the word Toastmasters uh, and attend these meetings for free. Yeah, anywhere in the world. Toastmasters is for public speaking. Hidiat is saying, may you share about what is your biggest mistake that you've made in your career, but at some point it was uh, your failing forward, uh, meaning a turning point for you in reaching your passion. Thank you. That's a great, great question. Yeah. We don't have much time left. I, I talk about all my failures. I'd have to talk for years and years and years. going forever. My, my biggest failure was, you know, just giving a damn what other people think of me and choosing my career based on that. You know, going to work at Goldman or consulting or hedge fund, venture capital, whatever it is. You know, I, I, I try to please other people uh, and not myself. And and I, I thought I was clinically, de clinically, clinically depressed. Can't even say that. Um, and then I, I woke up one day and I was like, you know what? I just don't care what people think. I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to be me. I love teachers. I respect them. I just want to do what I want to do. And I've been very happy since then because I was depressed always that, you know, I would start these new jobs and my happiest day was always day one. And, and I know how to change careers. And um, I'm a humble guy, but not when it comes to providing advice on how to get the job of your dreams. You know, I'm, I, I, I humbly know that I'm the best on the planet at that. I've done it so many times and I help so many people do it. And I've conducted over a thousand interviews uh, of, you know, in my career. That's basically one per week. Sorry about the alarm there. That's basically one per week um, for, for 20 years. And I've changed careers many times, but I was depressed. I, I was uh, a failure because I, I would just, I wasn't happy. I was never happy. And, and I finally realized why. It's because I wasn't doing what I was meant to be doing, which is this, which gives me purpose. And I love all of you. I love my students. And thank you for making this possible. Cool. All right. Um, and there's, I think there's probably a, a more questions. I, I can't get to them now. I'm so sorry. I have to wrap up the call. If you have more questions I haven't answered, uh, just copy them and ask me on our, our MBA uh, call from MBA students starting at 1120 today, or you can copy them and ask me uh, next week. I want to thank you all for your time. Uh, and I end every single webcast with the following video that I love so much that I licensed it from Steve Jobs' uh, family. So here we go. God bless you. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Check out my courses, please. I have a 30-day money-back guarantee with all my courses. you got nothing to lose and everything to gain. God bless you. Have a great weekend. And I'll see you next Thursday and every single Thursday. Thank you. When you grow up, you tend to get told that the world is the way it is and you're... Your life is just to live your life inside the world. Try not to bash into the walls too much. Uh, uh, try to have a nice family life. Uh, have fun. Save a little money. Um, but life, th that's a very limited life. Life can be much broader once you discover one simple fact. And that is everything around you that you call life was made up by people that were no smarter than you. And you can change it. You can influence it. You can... You can build your own things that other people can use. And the minute that you understand that you can poke life and actually something will, you know, if you push in, something will pop out the other side, that you can, you can change it, you can mold it, um, that's maybe the most important thing, is to shake off this uh, 
th this uh, erroneous notion that life is is there and you're just going to live in it versus embrace it, change it, improve it, make your mark upon it. Um, I, I think that's very important. And however you learn that, once you learn it, uh, you'll want to change life and make it better because it's kind of messed up in a lot of ways. Um, once you learn that, you'll never be the same again. Well, that ends this week's podcast. I want to thank you very much for your time. If you want to download my latest book for free or get access to coupons on my courses or learn more about my MBA degree program and much more, please visit haroonventures.com. Again, that's haroonventures.com. Thanks again for listening in.